sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. Drive time, Danielle. Dinner time, Danielle. Whatever. It's 5 o'clock on this beautiful Saturday night here in New York City. In any event, thank you for choosing me to be part of your evening. The good news is we'll be talking everything New York sports over the next couple hours up until 9 p.m. Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Carton Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. And you know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones. 877-337-6666. And as always, let's load them up with your best content only. I've got MSG on here in the studio. The Knicks are about to tip off. And it's been a while, everybody. Let's get after it. And let's get right down to it. At 7.20 p.m., by the way, for the Jets fans, Andy Vasquez. From NorthJerseySports.com and uh, USA Today Sports will be joining us to figure out exactly what is going on there for the gang green. And with the Jets, that's exactly where I'm going to start. The bills make me want to shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a song that I could stand never to hear again live in person. I heard the entire crowd at MetLife Stadium Last Sunday, singing this song in unison at least seven times for each of the Bills' six touchdowns and once in the parking lot walking into the game. Connor, enough with this song. Cut it. I never want to hear it again. Going into last night's or last week's Bills game, I told you, let's be honest. They're going to get destroyed no matter who the quarterback is. The final score, as we watched every single second of that game from our seats in Section 233, Bills 45, Jets 17. Like, we watched the military flyover, which was awesome, by the way. I got a cool video. It it literally looked like the helicopters were going to scrape the top of the stadium. It was awesome. We stood around a little bit. We watched the Jets go three and out. Five plays later, the Bills were already winning. And my friend Christina was already chanting that stupid Bills Mafia song in my face literally, literally three minutes into the game. That's when I knew it was going to be a long day. Maybe for me, but definitely for Mike White. He finished with a 55% completion percentage, exactly zero touchdowns, four interceptions, and a total quarterback rating of 27.8. So I was a little bit curious. Among qualified, like actual starters, not guys that just came in and, and, you know, ate up some minutes there, but among qualified starting quarterbacks this season, Mike White, against the Bills, posted the sixth worst rating of all quarterbacks this entire season so far. Actually, it's, I mean, it could have been fifth. He literally beat out Justin Fields' performance against the Cincinnati Bengals by one-tenth of a point. Last week, after that crazy debate that we had of who should start the Bills game, Mike White or Zach Wilson, my position was if Zach Wilson is 100% healthy, not 99.9%, not 98-point-whatever percent, he should start. That was my Period. Stop. That's it. That was my perspective. I challenged Jet fans not to lose sight of the original goal coming into this season, which was wins and losses don't really matter. The Jets are not making the playoffs anyway. 
that was a given before the season even started. And that goal still is, by the way, to develop your rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. But this Bills defense is literally on another level. It, by far, is the best in the league and is ranked first in in most, if not all, of the quote-unquote important defensive categories. Knowing that information, I challenged you that debated me last week and saying that Mike White should be the starter if he put up not good, but just serviceable numbers against this defense, then I would have considered it moving forward. But he didn't, and he couldn't. And we'll talk more about going to that Bills game, the experience and everything, a little bit later in the show. As me and the guy next to me were the only people wearing green in our section. There were two guys behind me, but they left at halftime, par for the course. I had my number seven Boomer Esiason jersey on, by the way. And all of that information brings us to the great quarterback debate of 2021. You see, every year, the Jets seem to embroil themselves in a quarterback controversy. But as far as I can remember, it never involved three of them. Joe Flacco, Mike White, Zach Wilson, and now the Miami Dolphins. The Jets selected Joe Flacco to start this week, and I've been thinking for a few days, and I really can't figure out why. I'm wrapped up in this. Option one, the best option, is Zach Wilson to start this game. Clearly, because he's not starting. He's not yet at 100%. Or else he'd get the start, right? So, on to the second option, which is Joe Flacco. I, why? I sat down. I really started to think critically about the reasons why an organization would start a veteran quarterback against a three and seven football team. Here's what I came up with. You tell me if I'm if I've missed the mark here. Number one, maybe, probably the most obvious. Is it actually to win the game? Then if it is, why not start Joe Flacco against the Bills? Or, or put him in longer to just throw more than three passes. So I don't think that could be it. Maybe the second reason why the Jets decided to start Joe Flacco was to maybe justify trading for him. But remember, they traded for him without even seeing Mike White start a game ever. Don't forget that Joe Douglas could have just signed Joe Flacco with just money this past offseason. Without giving up the draft capital in season to get him. I mean... Let's be honest, there probably wasn't a really big run on Joe Flacco, okay? The third reason I thought of maybe the Jets would want to start Joe Flacco is, maybe, is it to quell an even bigger quarterback controversy? When Zach's ready to come back from that knee injury, are the Jets trying to squash and squelch any calls for Mike White if he has a bad series, a bad quarter, a bad game? Or... Maybe number four, is it really because the three and seven Miami Dolphins defense is just so complex that they need to call upon a Super Bowl MVP quarterback to dissect it? These are the questions I have. And as far as answers to them, I really don't have any. I mean, I guess take your pick, really, from any of those reasons why the Jets decided on Joe Flacco and not Mike White. You want to add any? Give me a call. The Jets themselves are even confused on how to handle this coddling along of Zach Wilson. You know how I know? Robert Sala on Monday said, This market fascinates me in the sense that White was anointed the next coming after one game. 
And now everyone wants to throw him away. He deserves better than that. That's Robert Sala. Okay. So then start him against the Dolphins. Robert Sala then late in the week, he said, this is a quote, Miami has a dynamic coverage system as it pertains to defense with zero in all of the different coverages they run. Flacco's kind of been there, done that, and just kind of a steadying experience that we thought would put us in the best position to win. End quote. All right, give me a break. Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. That, to me, sounds like a first-time head coach that wanted one thing, Mike White, and was told to do something else, Joe Flacco, by his superiors. Which, by the way, is the wrong move. Now, this is a weird position for me to be in because here I am this week on this next graduated level of quarterback controversy completely in Mike White's corner. I don't consider myself to be a flip-flopper by any means in anything, in any facet of my life because this is an entirely different situation than last week. Last week, the question was, which young quarterback to start against the Bills? This week, the question is, why start the veteran when clearly Zach Wilson is not 100% healthy, which is what's keeping him off the board for this week, right? So then why start the veteran when you can really get a good look at Mike White against not the Bills defense, which again is the best in the league statistically, no arguing that. But why not start Mike White against the 3-7 and seven Miami Dolphins? I can't. I can't keep up with this. This is the ridiculous Jets. But, you know, I guess par for the course, isn't it? Yeah, the Mets and now former Met were calling all angels this past week. Noah Syndergaard bolted to the halos and the Mets found, quote unquote, their guy who most recently worked in Anaheim for the Angels. Was it? I'm thinking about this, and it's like Cardinal Steve Cohen and Cardinal Sandy Alderson, they were, I feel like they were sequestered under Michelangelo's masterpiece in the Sistine Chapel for weeks on end, asking who will be the creator to give life to and touch all things good in Queens. Cardinals Cohen and Alderson, there's a joke in there, right? Found themselves throwing into the three-foot-high, two-stove system ballots with name after name after name, resulting in black smoke every single time. Theo Epstein, Billy Bean, David Stearns, Scott Harris, Matt Arnold, Michael Gersh, uh, Peter Bendix, Gene Afterman, Raquel Ferreira. Daniel Adler, Sigmund Gall. I mean, 11 names, 11 ballots, and who really knows how many more, all resulting in black smoke. Finally, on November 18th, the Mets made it official. They sent out the white smoke from the chimney at 41 Seaver Way. The Mets selected a new Pope, or uh, general manager, there as what we know as, publicly, their 12th, Choice. Sandy Alderson said to kick off Friday's introductory press conference, this is a quote. He said, this was not a linear process. Billy was the one and only that received an offer from Steve and the Mets. End quote. Well, I mean, probably he was the only one to get close enough to even receive one, if you really think about it. 
Cohen said, too, in that press conference, quote, I didn't want to turn this into a game of some kind. I was trying to keep it as private as possible, end quote. I mean, that was a fail. I mean, even on this show, it turned into a total game of guess who. Remember that game from when we were kids? Guess who? I love that game. Anyway, I just don't love playing with with the Mets. Anyway, I pulled up the press conference on my laptop last night, and I casted it to my TV. I felt so cool doing that. I cracked open my notes. I made myself a bowl of ice cream, vanilla and chocolate with tons of Hershey syrup and sprinkles, by the way. And I pressed play. And I pressed rewind a few times. And if I'm being honest, throughout that one hour and 17 minute video, I had things I liked and things I didn't like. The elephant in the room, of course, being the fact that he was the most recent hire in a string of Really bad ones, meaning really bad people for the Mets. Mickey Calloway, Jared Porter, Zach Scott. But it was addressed right off the bat, so to speak, when when Sandy Alderson said that the vetting process was, quote, broader and deeper than any other vetting process that we've undergone. Okay, well, I know I was not in the room with them, so I'm going to have to believe them when they say that, that this is a good guy. Besides the fact that he was at least the 12th choice for this team, there were a few things I did like about him. Number one, he's got New York experience, quote-unquote. The guy won a ring with the Yankees in 2009 as a pro scouting director. Okay, that's something to like. Number two, he said that one of his mentors was Gene Stick Michael. That's important because he said that it grew him outside of the traditional qualitative assessment. Those are his words, not mine. And in an age of total black and white analytics, I like to hear Epler talk about Gene Stick Michael in the sense that, for example, he quote-unquote taught him about evaluating a player's concentration or focus and then integrate it with more qualitative aspects like spin rates and whatever, launch angle, all that. He told a story about how Gene Stick Michael told him that he should really evaluate a batter in the batter's box before he even, I mean, in, in, in the on-deck circle, before he even gets into the batter's box, just, you know, to see if he's really focused in on the at-bat moving forward. It's just intangible things, right? And I like that marriage with then integrating it into statistics and all that. He also talked about Billy Epler watching players take angles to balls defensively, noticing how long it took them to move to the ball. All of that. All of that from a scout's point of view, which I like. So I think his scouting background will be a very good balance with the over-reliance on the analytics of baseball, which we talk about almost every single time I talk to you. And number three, the third thing I liked from the press conference, I liked the fact that before he was even able to give his press conference, he was already, and this is his words, starting to get texts from agents. He said, I responded and I said, you'll hear from me later today, which was Friday, yesterday. It means he's connected, he's plugged in, and he's ready to get down to business as soon as possible before what could be, it's a looming lockout, which I think we're going to go to a lockout, MLB and MLB fans and all that. So we're just going to have to wait and see about that. Other than those three things, I'm kind of lukewarm on him. I mean... I want to like him. I want to believe what Billy Epler says. But I just can't ignore the body of work 
that he did with the Anaheim Angels. I mean, like, right? Actions speak louder than words. You've heard that before, I'm sure. That's an adage I finally got right here, right? Number one, we've talked about bad people before. Okay, well, creepy Mickey Calloway was an employee of Epler's with the Angels. And while Epler was the Angels' assistant general manager, Tyler Skaggs, the pitcher, died of an opioid opiate overdose, which were supplied by an Angels employee under the umbrella of Billy Epler. Think about that. How tone deaf could you be to have a team employee supplying opiates? And I looked up which ones, fentanyl and oxycodone, to your major league players, resulting in death and also resulting in not one, but two lawsuits against the team from the Skaggs family. And the way they they kind of explained that away was, okay, well, Billy Epler is one of many, of dozens, of of maybe even hundreds, these are my words, uh, of employees on that team. You know, that's the explanation. That's kind of what they gave. He was one of many people in the building at that time. And he didn't stop it, and neither did anybody else. The second red flag I have with the new Mets GM, Billy Epler. And and again, I want to like him. And I want to believe everything he says. But I'm looking at facts here. The fact that the Anaheim Angels have missed the postseason in every single year since Epler arrived and after he left. Think about that. For a Mets team that has not seen the postseason since being bounced by the San Francisco Giants in the 2016 wildcard round, do you really trust your franchise to a guy that has never, never constructed a winning team? And I'm not even talking about a championship-winning team. I'm talking about a team that has even sniffed the postseason. Mets fans, you're, you're excited about that? And that Angels team, any of his Angels teams, have never, never made the postseason despite the fact that Billy Epler inherited a team with an incumbent AL MVP in Mike Trout, an MVP winning Mike Trout in 2016, and an MVP winning Mike Trout in 2019. Billy Epler rendered the best player of our generation, Mike Trout, pedestrian and irrelevant. Not to mention that, at the time, the contract that Epler and company extended to Trout was the largest in professional sports history. Professional sports history. That should be concerning if you're a Met fan and you've got Steve Cohen money. But more concerning. I didn't like the way he explained my words, wasting Mike Trout's talent away. I actually raised my eyebrows. They went up. My nice eyebrows. My eyebrow lady that I've been going to since I was a junior in high school. You guys were asking me on, on Twitter. Yes, her name is Autry. I get them threaded. I raised my threaded eyebrows when, when Billy Epler said in his introductory press conference last night, or yesterday, which I watched last night, in full, Billy Epler said this, and I'm paraphrasing. He's, after blaming the prior regime of having a depleted farm system, after a non-existent pool of international talent, And after some sizable contracts on the Major League roster, 
Those are his words. He's, he said he had no choice but to build via free agency. Okay, fine. All right. So the solution was just to burden this team that has had some sizable contracts already with the biggest contract in the history of professional sports. Okay. But Epler wasn't finished. Here's the part. He said, this is a quote, a number of those free agent deals didn't work out. That's a huge red flag for me. And I'm not hating on the Mets. But these are facts. This is a guy that has been lauded by the Mets for his scouting background, his scouting acumen. And here he is admitting. And th- those were his words. A number of those free agent deals didn't work out. He admitted that some of the free agent acquisitions that he made as general manager of the Los Angeles Angels didn't work out. Didn't work out. You, sir, with your background in scouting, cannot afford, literally, to miss on things like this. And I understand some free agents don't work out, but but he really swung on miss on most of them, other than Shohei Otani, of course, and Mike Trout, MVP caliber talent. You can't miss on those guys. You wouldn't even miss on those guys. Me neither. Besides the fact that blank pick Mick and opiate pill-pushing resulting in death Eric K. both worked under Epler. Besides the fact that not one Angels team has made the postseason since Epler got there, and after he left, despite having multi-MVP winning Mike Trout in the lineup, this, Mets fans, the fact that he swings and misses in free agency, I'm telling you, is the biggest red flag of them all. And he got a four-year deal on top of all of this? Oh, and, and speaking of MVPs, Shohei Otani, you want to point to him? Epler signed him, right? When it was the time that he was ready to sign, Otani wanted the Angels. He wanted to be an Angel. So that wasn't too difficult. And, and, and the final point I'll, I'll leave with you before we head to commercial break is this. I would have loved to ask Billy Epler in that press conference if I were able to be on it, Obviously, I got a day job, so I couldn't be. And nobody asked this, because I watched the whole thing. I would have asked Billy Epler to define his specific role with the William Morris Endeavor Agency. He was hired there just a few months ago in September, and at the time, his role was unknown. A few websites I checked this morning said, quote, whether Epler will directly represent players moving forward or will work with the agency's player represent uh, sorry we'll work with the agency's player representatives in another capacity remains to be seen that was a quote so nobody knew what epler did at this william morris endeavor agency this can't be another iteration of brody van wagenen could it the biggest takeaway from the press conference was that the mets are ready to spend money are you mets fans sure that this guy billy epler is the guy that you want to do it? Listen, I'm pumping the brakes on it. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you. I can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I am Danielle McCartan on the fan in New York City. Welcome back to Danielle at Drive Time, Danielle at Dinner Time, whatever you want to talk about. You're listening to Danielle McCartan here on the fan in New York City. Man, it's been a while. Feels good to be back. And in the meantime, the Mets finally have a GM. 
guy named Billy Epler, who I, as you just heard, am not sold on. And the Yankees, with their system already in place, have already made some roster moves. Friday night, in a not-so-shocking move, they DFA'd Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade, and Rugned Odor. That era has come to a close here in New York. One by one, Odor, you figure, wasn't going to be on the team this past, uh, past this season. I mean, that was it. He was quite exposed as a defender at third base late in the season. There, there, and there wasn't going to be any room for him in that infield. You guys want to get aboard at 877-337-6666. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier should have been traded when there was a lot of interest in him around the league, and that's what I advocated for. And what a swing and miss by Brian Cashman on that opportunity. Talk about falling in love with the prospects or just simply thinking that their value is greater than what others will pay for them. And that when he wasn't traded, they should have given him a fair shake as an everyday outfielder. They didn't, which I'm hearing was less about his play and more about his attitude in and around the team. Something I didn't know about because reporters, no one's allowed in the clubhouse. So, again, that's not shocking to me. But I guess what I was most surprised by, and I can't believe I'm saying this, was Tyler Wade getting DFA'd just three or four days before his birthday. I actually thought he was a terrific role player down the stretch for the Yankees. I mean, he represented the the way the Yankees should play ball. Bunt, run the bases, steal the bases. I thought he was a nice counter to the boomer bust mentality that the Yankees have come to own. And not to mention that Wade has MLB experience playing multiple defensive positions for them in both the infield and the outfield. I guess, ultimately, he didn't step it up enough or consistently enough offensively to get another go with the Yankees. So just so everyone's clear, the Yankees, if they wanted to, can bring back any or all of these guys. And will they? I guess is probably not. Oh, yeah, and Yankees fans, there's this from a friend of the show and Brian Hoke on Twitter. He says... Brett Gardner intends to play in 2022, according to Brian Cashman. The Yankees have not yet had discussions with him, but Gardner's contracts are typically negotiated later in the offseason anyway. That's it. Back up the Brinks truck. Brett Gardner will be back with the Yankees next season as a sixth outfielder. (laughs) I mean, as the starting center fielder. You watch. You watch. To the phones we go, 877-337-6666. And in the order that you guys called, that's how we roll here. Let's go to Deer Park. And Justin, you're leading off tonight. Hey, hey Daniel, how are you, first of all? I'm good. How are you, Justin? I'm doing good. All right, here's my question. It's a two-parter, but if I can combine them one. Go ahead. Well, as best as I can, I'll combine them one. Okay. All right. Do you agree with the decision of... Joe Flacco over White, no. and where is the decision coming from? The front office or possibly Woody deciding? Yeah, it, Justin, excellent question, and that and, and no one knows the answer to that. My guess is the fact, well, first of all, do I want Joe Flacco starting this game? No, absolutely not, no. This is a weird position for me to be in. I want Mike White starting that game. Because I was advocating for Zach Wilson, but clearly he's not healthy enough, right? His knee isn't good enough. Okay, but... You've got Joe Flacco in there, which is which is crazy to me. And where did it come from? Based on the fact that the message hadn't been the same delivered by Robert Sala all week, the message was not the same. It was not uniform from Monday through Friday. That decision, I am convinced, came from upper management, whether that be Joe Douglas, whether that the, the Johnsons themselves. I think you've got Robert Sala wanting to play the young quarterback in Mike White. And I think he got overruled. Overruled. 
by the front office of the Jets. And I think in my heart of hearts, I think it is to justify the fact, well, two things, to justify the fact that they, the Jets and Joe Douglas traded draft capital to get Joe Flacco here to begin with when they could have just signed him for money, compounded by the fact that the Jets are so deathly afraid of having an actual, real quarterback controversy on their hands, as if they didn't already. But a quarterback controversy between two young, able, I th- we think able, quarterbacks between Mike White and Zach Wilson. Because the last thing that this Jets wa- team wants to do in their coddling of baby Zach Wilson is to have him throw a pick, have him have a bad quarter, bad half, a bad game, and then the crowd starts chanting, Mike White, Mike White. That's the last thing this Jets team wants to do. So they don't want to risk him having a good game against the three and seven Dolphins. They're feeding you some nonsense about the Dolphins having a great defense. Okay, that's what I think. And if and if they really wanted to win games, they would have started Joe Flacco against the Bills. Okay, good questions there, Justin. Let's go to Mike in the, the wonderful state of New Jersey. Mike, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. First time, long time. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Where in New Jersey are you from? I got to ask. Like me. Bergen County. Oh, what part? Upper Saddle River. Okay. All right. I know it. I'm from Dumont. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, first of all, love the eyebrows. (laughs) I'll follow you on Twitter. (laughs) Thank Um, you. But uh, diehard Jets fan here. Look, I I have the solution. I think people are paying attention to the wrong things quarterback. I think you're going to take a step back. Both Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez are in headlines. Rex Ryan going at Robert Sala. Mark Sanchez being a very successful analyst mm-hmm. uh, on, to- on top of the game. I think we got to bring them both back. Rex as the head coach. Mark Sanchez is as the OC. They're two of the only successful employees under Woody Johnson past 20-plus years. I think we bring them back, and uh, that's, that's when we're going to see long-term success. What do you think? What role did you want Sanchez back in? Offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you got to start at at quarterbacks coach uh, with that. But listen, Robert Sala is not going anywhere. I mean, he's locked in. He's not going anywhere. The Jets have to figure this out, and it's not going to be with Rex Ryan and and Mark Sanchez. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Great idea. Yes, they brought you back to the glory days of what 2009. Whatever year that was, 2008, nine. No, it was after that because I was already teaching because I had a kid in my class and he was a Steelers fan and the whole thing. It was after that. But whatever years it was, um, I understand. You want to be back to the glory days. But I thought Rex Ryan was a little over the line. Like, listen, you can criticize any me. You could criticize me on Twitter. You can criticize my sports takes on the phone. What I don't want you criticizing is me personally because that's out of line. And I think Rex Ryan was out of line. And I think Robert Sala should have just ignored it. But again, Robert Sala, first year head coach. I don't know. I just I just think he should have ignored it and just let him be. And let Rex Ryan be Rex loudmouth Rex Ryan, which everybody knows he is. Of course Rex Ryan wants his team to succeed. He's got a Jets tattoo on his leg of Mark Sanchez. Wouldn't that be a, a, a marriage in heaven? But no. To write this Jets ship. It's not going to be Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez riding in to save the day. What's going to save this Jets team is a little bit of stability. And that's really it. Stability. 
from year one to year two. And also getting that rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, back in the game to play. There are only so many weeks left. And you guys hear, there is a heavyweight heavyweight fight. Say that ten times fast. There's a heavyweight fight happening now on Twitter. No, it's not my friend Misha Tate's fight tonight in Vegas. It's not happening yet. It actually involves someone from here, this radio station. What the heck is going on here? Well, how about this as a clue? I'll fill you in back after this. <laughs> Tune in. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Welcome back to Danielle McCartan here on The Fan in New York City. Man, it got dark fast, didn't it? Oh, it's that time of year again. Okay, well, there is a heavyweight fight happening on Twitter right now as we speak from someone at this radio station. Well, not technically anymore. Don't look now, but two New York heavyweights are really getting into it on Twitter. Weighing in at 242 pounds, Noah Syndergaard. And weighing in with the weight of the Vatican upon him, the sports pope, Mike Francesa. The rest of us are all just here with our popcorn watching the whole thing go down. Big Mike fired the first shot, saying the Mets are better off without Syndergaard. In case you haven't noticed... They've been playing without him for years. He's not wrong. Okay? Syndergaard countered with, Damn, didn't know you were still alive. Congrats. Totally weak, by the way. Francesa then said in a separate tweet, So you know Syndergaard was looking for this on Saturday morning, and Francesa said, I competed every day for 35 years and won in my chosen profession in the greatest city in the world. Noah whined and ran away. I mean, the fact checkers say, mostly correct. Syndergaard countered with at with this at 10.30 this morning. The only thing you've ever won in... in <laughs> I can't read this with a straight face. The only thing you've ever won is being a gas bag, Mets-hating opportunist. All you've done is talk blank and spread toxic crap for a career. Congrats again, sweetie. You're doing great. I thought that was very lame in the response category there. But then, on this break, I just checked. Noah Syndergaard said, uh, well, he retweeted a video from Diamond Digest. And it says, Shohei Otani, how it started versus how it's going. And basically, it's a video of Mike and Chris talking about how bad Shohei Otani is in spring training and, and, and after that, I guess his rookie season. And then it says, you know, SpongeBob, 1,000 years later. I retweeted it, by the way, so you can see it. But um, And then it's Frank Thomas announcing Shohei Otani as the MVP, AL MVP, this season. So that was a sneaky little jab. And I think because of that, I think Noah Syndergaard won the fight. But honestly, overall, I was expecting better. Until this point, Francesca got the bigger shots in. I mean, it's true. Noah Syndergaard, since the conclusion of the 2019 season, has pitched in exactly two innings and won exactly zero games for the Mets. That's right. Mike... Francesa, you and me have the exact same number of wins as bad boy Twitter finger Noah Syndergaard over the past two seasons. Think about that. Wait a minute. Where's our $21 million paycheck? Back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Frank in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. Hello. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you, Frank? I'm- I'm all right, pretty good. I'm getting amused at all this childish stuff between Mike and Syndergaard. I'm a Mets fan. Yeah. Now we're talking about betting. You know, betting on hires. Uh, Jared Porter, what he was accused of was not in while he was working for the Mets. So 
So those those teams but, that owe up and knew what was going on need to owe it up and and say something to the to the Sandy Alderson. Sure, but their vetting process before. wasn't good. At, 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 well, the FBI's vetting process wasn't that good either. If you want to get into politics, but, no, I don't. This is a stick to sports show. Okay, this is not okay, politics then, whatsoever, then, there, Frank. Not at all. You know no, that. Come on. I know. But, come on. But but there are companies that don't do enough vetting. Okay, but we're talking Major about League the Mets. Baseball, Major League Baseball, well, you, I know you're probably a Met hater. Major League oh, Baseball has a problem okay. within itself, within itself. General managers and, and owners know what's going on, but they want to keep it quiet. Like they say, the blue wall of silence. I would agree there to that. There is silence amongst each other. You guys at the media had a chance to grill Apia yesterday. Not you, but there were other media people there who mm-hmm. could have grilled him about the Angel situation. Someone and did. decided not to. No, someone did. Someone did. I think it was well, Disha, I think. Okay. And, uh, well, I got to go back and look at the because I was watching them. Maybe I missed it. Yeah, it was about, I, w- I would want to say about maybe midway through is, is what I think it was about. All right. Uh, now, if Apia, of course, he knows what was going on. The owner tells him, listen, the owner has to know what's going on because yes. he's the owner of the team. Yes. If he tells him to keep it quiet, he has to keep it quiet. I agree with you. Now, getting back to Zach Scott, mm-hmm. Zach Scott was hired, right? Was doing his job. He went to a party, left around, what, 10, 10.30, gets busted around a little after 4, before 4. Well, let's just say he, it wasn't just any party. party. It was a party was at sleeping. the owner's house there, Frank. It was an Like, you have a responsibility. If, if I host a party at my house, I have a responsibility to make sure that everybody who's driving home is, is able to drive home. And in, a, in, a, in, a, in an well, age he, of how Uber— do know, how, do we know, how do we know if he was drunk driving from Steve Cohen's house to there? He did stop off at a bar on the way home. You were there so to actually to actually you need to prove it in a court of law. Sure. If I was the Mets, I wouldn't have not have fired him because you you already. Yeah, but okay, but besides guy, Frank, Frank, let me ask you this: guilty. besides the fact, okay, uh, put that aside, you thought they should have rehired him be- or not fired him because how about this? No, 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 how, not, how about this? How about this? How about this? At the trade deadline, Zach Scott admitted on on the SNY broadcast that he knew the extent of Jacob Degrom's injury and did not go out and get a starting pitcher at the trade deadline. You happy with that? How did you know that owner should have been telling him not to say nothing? What do you mean? Keep it quiet. You, 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 know, you know, you can't, you can't, he said can't it. grab him by the hand. But he you said it. Grab, but, Steve, but Steve Cohen cannot grab him by the hand and take him home. He leaves the party. He decides to stop at a bar. No, I, all right, you I didn't answer what, my question then. You didn't answer my question. You wanted to keep him after that? He knew the extent of Jacob DeGrom's injury and did not go out and get a starting pitcher so at the he deadline. he should get fired for that. He should have got fired for that then. Oh, at the him? time, the Mets were in contention. Yeah, they could have kept the Mets in contention. Come on there, Frank. You know that. The Mets were in first place, and then they weren't because they were missing their best pitcher. That's not Mets hating. These are just facts. These are facts. Tommy in New Hyde Park, you're up next on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. Uh, first of all, um, make it vanilla and chocolate ice cream with Hershey syrup. And sprinkles. Rainbow sprinkles. Oh, yeah. I got the Pavel sprinkles. Oh, those are good. Uh, <laughs> you bad. got the good stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, you know, the Jets and the Mets. A quick question, if I may. Sure. Now, if they think Sal is trying to play Flacco, right, to save his job, he's not going anyways. No. He's not going to save his job. No. So why not play Mike White? That's a now, great question. One other question is, please, if you don't mind. Um, Zach Wilson, I heard he has no confidence. He's not playing because he's no confidence. Not a knee problem. And can, can I say one thing about the Mets? Yeah. Steve Cohen will probably make Billy, Billy, look good because he's going to 
going to spend all that money? What do you think? Yes, uh, and that's what I would be afraid of, Tommy, if I were a Met fan. I think that Billy Epler has a, a blank, a, a checkbook full of blank checks, and the fact that he missed on most of the free agents, you know, outside of Trout and, 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 and you know, resigning Trout and Shohei Otani, he missed. He admitted that he missed. That's got to be really concerning to me if I were a Met fan. He actually said it. That would be really concerning to me that that they'd be handing out blank checks to, to a bunch of guys that are not going to help. That that is my main concern about Billy Epler coming in to Queens, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong, but I don't know about that. Erica Herskowitz has an update. Connor Green is saying goodbye. Great job, Connor. And we got Pat Boyle coming in uh, in the six o'clock hours, and of course more of your. Danielle McCartan here on The Fan in New York City. Pat Boyle is behind the glass now, taking your calls through the end of the show at 9 p.m. You know what? For whatever reason, I'm on Hackensack University Medical Center's mailing list. I don't know why. but So they send home this newsletter every month, and I usually read it, most of it, while I'm eating dinner, and articles about preventative care, screening timelines, whatever. I wish this article popped up in time for the month of the NFL's Crucial Catch campaign, but this month's edition... Featured an article. Maybe you got it at home. Take a look at it. Featured an article about Dave Gettleman and his cancer diagnosis and treatment. So in the article, it says that it's been three years since he beat cancer, and now he's a, now a donor to the cancer center over there at Hackensack, and he's donated more than fifty thousand dollars since two thousand nineteen. And actually, Dave Gettleman volunteers his time on the board of trustees too. So you know, the article quoted Gettleman as saying they're investing time and money into research. Where whenever I walk in there, I feel hope which is obviously such an important thing to have as one battles cancer. And, of course, as you know, as I've talked about here, Eli Manning also took a huge role at that same hospital in partnership with the Giants in his Tackle Kids Cancer campaign, um, one which absolutely helped the elementary school age sister of one of my former students. And she beat cancer. I actually still talk to her. And uh, she beat cancer. And she's in the commercials with Eli Manning. So very cool. Um, and I know he gets a lot of slander professionally, on the airwaves here at times. But Dave Gettleman personally is a good guy, clearly. And I know that doesn't translate to any W's for the Giants, but I always like to bring this stuff to you, stuff that you might not see or hear about elsewhere. So back to the phones we go. In the order that you guys call that, 877-337-6666, we go to the Bronx. And Douglas, you're up on the fan. Danielle, good to hear from you again. Ah, thanks, Douglas. You know, I was in the Bronx last weekend. We were at Arthur Avenue. Oh wow! What did you eat? Uh, tell me what's, uh, oh, what was your what were your top food options? Though? All right, we we ate. Uh, I had a huge chocolate covered cannoli. You know, chocolate shell cannoli. Those are my favorite. Cannolo, really. And I had a uh, ravioli and uh, um, some wow. barolo. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun time. <laughs> it was a fun time. Ah gosh, uh, <laughs> you got my mouth watering at the time here. I didn't eat <laughs> dinner tonight either. I know I'm starving. I love Great options. Okay. The thing with the Twitter fruit, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because with Francesa, he tweets, but he doesn't reply tweets. So the fact that Syndergaard replied to him, yes. that would probably have to be reported to him yep. <laughs> in some fashion. Or he was so he looking for it. <laughs> or he was looking yeah, for it. Sure. Oh, Cinder, absolutely. So uh, 
my main topic is the mess. But uh, with Epler's press conference mm-hmm. yesterday, he mentioned that one of the uh, disadvantages he experienced with the Angels was that during his time, that injuries were the one with the big reason mm-hmm. that plagued his era there. And I think that's just a go-to excuse. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because because other- Douglas, if if the team is built the right way, right with with depth. Then injuries, I mean, they they hurt, but they shouldn't hurt that much. Right. And how about supplanting those injuries? Uh, All you got to do is look what the Braves did to supplant Ronald Acuna Jr.'s injury. I mean, and they went all the way. Right. Right. Really, that's just an excuse. But I think the most, yeah, the most important aspect to Epler in these next two weeks before the, the. uh, pending lockout, I think they got to hire a manager yes. with some experience because mm-hmm. they were over two with rookie managers. And I feel uh, obviously, I think the home run hire would be Buckshaw Walter because uh, he's mm-hmm. he would be coming back to New York. He's got experience. He won't take any crap from you know Lindor or any of that drama that mm-hmm. was this year. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, there was an article in the Daily News. They mention other names like Eric Chavez, Brad Osmus, Joe Espada, um, Rick Renteria. But I'll give you one other name. Uh, Mike Schilt. Yes. Just got fired from St. Louis. Yes. Went to three straight postseasons. But the rumor was that he had a uh, disagreement with philosophy, that it wasn't yes. all about analytics. Yep, we talked but, about it. Yep. Right. And isn't it crazy that Port St. Louis had that 17-game winning streak and – the Yankees had their 13-game winning streak, but the people associated with them got tossed. <laughs> like, yep. they got the manager. And then, you know, Vasquez and Greg Allen, they're no longer with the Yankees. So it's just an interesting aspect there. But, I, again, with the Mets, I think they have to get somebody that is experienced and somebody with a track record. Because, like, what? Uh, let me ask you this, too. Do you, What if they went out and said, uh, Carlos Beltran, you got hosed. We want to hire you. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Nah, I, I would stay far away from Beltran. Douglas, thanks for the call there. I would stay far away from Beltran. Absolutely far away. I, don't, I want nothing to do with him and what he, he brings, any of it. Mike Schilt would be the guy, and the number, the first guy that I interviewed, w- excuse me, would be Mike Schilt. I mean, he was, like you said, we talked about it before. He was fired because of the difference of, of philosophy. You know what that means to me? That means that he's stuck to his guns and his gut. That's what I'm reading between the lines in, right? Schilt, manager, NL manager of the year in 2019. He he finished third in NL manager of the year voting this year. The guy got canned. He would be the first dude that I brought through the, through the door over there at 41 Seaver Way. Mike Schilt, absolutely, I would love to talk with him and figure out what went wrong and if he fits my scheme. But as Billy Epler told you in the press conference, that this is going to be a collaborative effort. He's going to hear from the senior whatevers and the whoevers, and he's going to talk to everybody and formulate a a a consensus kind of wish list. Consensus. All right. But make sure Mike Schilt gets brought through that door and before the lockout, because then at least you've got it's settled. And Noah Syndergaard did cite the unsettlingness of the Mets as a reason to bolt, which you can't blame him. Honestly, you really can't. 
So I think if you have the structure in place, you're going to be able to attract, I don't know, some sort of uh, of big name and a good one. Not just a guy that's looking for the cash, looking for the check. Stu in Connecticut, you're up next on a fan. Hey. Hey. Hey, Danielle. Hi. I'm sitting here charging my car and couldn't think of anything better to do than to call you. Oh, well, thank you. discuss the Yankees. What do you got? And what a mess they are. Mm -hmm. And why I think the only logical, viable solution to improving their, their lot in life and making them what they once were, a dynasty, would be to get rid of Brian Cashman, well, which yeah, hasn't well, been done by Steinbrenner and probably won't be. And no, and, and they had the opportunity to do it, and they're not going to. And I believe until that happens, the team will not be what they once were in the era of Gene Michael mm-hmm. and Buck Showalter. But... Well, well. They seem to just be, you know, home run strikeout team. No, not they seem. They are. They are. That's what they are. And dare I say, should Brian Cashman have the, well, the cojones to trade Gleyber Torres and Aaron Judge, maybe they could get back the types of players that could make that team a cohesive winning team with a winning attitude because that team does not have a winning attitude well, and, and I, an sorry. anger when they lose. Yeah, a fire. I get it, Stuart. But that comes, I believe, from the manager, from the coach. Uh, that, that anger, that, that you know, will to win, all that. I'm not trading Aaron Judge, and I know that's like the, what the Tampa Bay Rays would do. They would trade Aaron Judge. I'm not doing it. Labor Torres has been on my trade block for a quite some time, actually, since uh, a long time ago. And I got some hate for it, but I think I think it's a good move. I think uh, what the Yankees should end up doing is have – and I know – here, okay, let me start the other way. Let's go to third base first. Uh, Urshela at third. I like – for right now, I like Seager at short. Depends on the price tag, all that, right? Okay. Um, Second base, I like DJ LeMahieu. That's his best defensive position. You just signed him long-term. And I think at first base, if it's money that you're willing to spend, it's Rizzo. If you're willing to part with some pretty good draft capital, I mean uh, uh, um, prospect capital, then you go Olsen. Olsen is the better player. It depends on which way you're going to go, clearly. And I'm not in the owners. I'm not. I don't, I'm not in the, the cherry mahogany offices up there at, at Yankee Stadium. I don't know. But I mean, if it's me, I told you a long time ago. I want to blow past that luxury tax. And, and did you see the article in, in the Athletic? How Steinbrenner voted to. I got to find it. I just. I tried finding it, but how Steinbrenner voted. Um, I think it was. To, I want to get it right, but to, to lower it was that. Was that what it is? He wanted to lower the. Uh, luxury tax or, or not increase it either way. I mean, what do you think in there, Hal? Why would, why would you vote that? I want you to blow by it. So anyway, that's kind of what I would do. I, I'm not trading Aaron judge though. I would not do it. Lou in Astoria. You're up next on the fam. Hey, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
Good, good, good. I'm confused with you, though. I mean, as far as the quarterback, who cares? Who's the quarterback on Sunday? When I'll, uh, when we do it right now is developing a quarterback for the future. Correct. And Zach Wilson. Right. Who cares? I mean, you well, know, the thing is about with Mike White, like we had the argument before. We did, yep. And you was right there. You was right 100%. Mm-hmm. What happens if the guy comes in and does another Hall of Fame performance? Well, we don't need that. Right. I, I, Lou, I get it, and I understand. And the reason why I'm saying it, well, the reason why I'm advocating is, uh, for White is this. So then what you do is next offseason, you trade him to a team. You know, in, before the draft happens, you trade him to a team that, that needs a quarterback, a serviceable quarterback or a serviceable backup. Exactly. But we're developing right now Zach Wilson, and I think Joe Flacco – it's actually, if he, this guy didn't have a heaven over the game, uh, Mike White, he wouldn't even be playing, to be honest. I mean, he just had a hell of a game. They had a game plan that worked for him with the Bengals, which is, they looked like garbage in that game. And you know what? And if it wasn't because of the referee, they still would have lost that game. If you go back, you can look at it. But anyway. But he also had a good, until he got injured, I was there in Indianapolis. I was there. He did well. Until yeah, he, he got hurt. He attacked very well. He was confused, if you noticed. Even though he, he made it, like I say, he only throws 20 yards. He's good at 20 yards. Okay, that's not the NFL right now, okay? It's a different game right now. But anyway, this is what I'm, we're going to disagree for the first time, okay? Did you, did you actually pay attention to the Carlos Correa comment on Derek Jeter? Yes, I did. Now, I know that you're a coach, and I know that uh, somebody brought up a point that, well, hey, he's one of the worst Sure stuff that ever played the game, but how about those great play that he did? Remember that play against the Oaklands? I don't know if you still know. Oh yeah. You oh, that. I remember that play for I sure. I know if he was the coach and it didn't work out, you were very upset because if it, if Giambi was a faster runner and he would have slid, that would have been a different game. And that that World Series, you never know what would happen. Yeah, but it, it happened, and, and that's how it yeah, that's yeah, how it went I, down. I, 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 you I can't play what that, if. But he was out of position. There was nobody at second. Do you really nope. think that Derek Jeter didn't deserve those Gold Gloves? I mean, you know what that you know what that was to me, Glue. I know that. Listen, he's your favorite, and I listen. I have a thing with Derek Jeter that the Yankees fans think that he was the reason why we won everything. No, if Derek Jeter played for another team rather than the Yankees, his stats, they forget about the ring, we would be so much less. You know what? You don't have to say that Korea said it in Spanish. He was provoked. He was asking a question in Spanish, and he answered it. And you know what? I agree with him. So I know this is the first time we're going to disagree. I'm sorry about that. You take care. No, it's okay, Lou. It's okay to disagree. But the fact of the matter is Derek Jeter um, was a great fielder, first of all. I don't have the metrics behind it, okay? But what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is this. Carlos Correa did not want to come to New York. Does not want to come to play for the Yankees anyway. New York Yankees. By insulting Derek Cheater, who is the grand poopa living, of course, of all Yankees. That that basically solidified the fact that he's not going to come to New York because he insulted Derek Cheater. Who would want Carlos Correa here in New York if he's going to sit there and insult Derek Cheater? That was calculated and done on purpose. You said poopa? Poopa. I think it's Poopa with a B. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I can never poo-pa. get these things right. The but, Grand Poopa. Yeah, right? Is that right? I'm going to Google that. Grand Poopa. Poopa. Whatever. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that was a calculated, targeted thing to say. He's not stupid, Carlos Correa. By insulting Derek Jeter, he was like, 
I do not want to come to the Yankees. I do not want to have to put up with Yankee fans screaming, F me, F Carlos Correa, like they do for Jose Altuve every single time he shows up at Yankee Stadium. He doesn't want it. And and that was his strategy to not do it because the, the rumors were starting to build. They were starting to build. And guess what? He can keep it. Wherever he ends up, good for him. Let's go to Bobby D in Mayback, New York. You're up on the fan. Uh, you, you know, you're doing a great job. It's the first time I've heard you. Ah, thanks, Bobby. Guess what? I was just up in yeah. Mayapak, actually, at uh, Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu, actually. I was just there. Oh, wow. Hey, so anyway, Bobby, uh, quick question. Are, are I on speakerphone? Can you take me off speaker? Uh, I'll lower you down. Okay, you? yeah, we're getting a little How's feedback. That? Yeah, that's good. Is that better? Much better. So anyway, Danielle, best thing I heard on your show the last half hour, that one of your former students is doing great. Yeah, well, it's her sister. Uh, yeah, her sister had cancer, but yeah, she's doing. She's cancer free. Great. That's great. Anyway, talking about Mike, you know, Mike is. You know, look, is the station better without Mike or better with him? I like Mike. Mike's a tough guy to get along with. I have met him a couple times. Always courteous, and Mike, I thought was very knowledgeable. I could argue with him in a minute about sports. <laughs> We're the same age, and I could go at it with him. And send the guard. But that's he fun. Took the money and run. So what do we owe him? Yeah. I mean, he bolted. I mean, he Bobby, he took the first train or first offer out of here. He did. And, and he cited the fact that, that, that the, the, the Mets have a little bit of tumultuousness in their front office. And you can't blame him, right? I mean, the guy, he took a one-year deal, prove-it deal. I love those deals. That's what he took. Just to prove himself. And you can't blame him for bolting. And I don't know why it was the Angels. I mean, they're not close to winning anything. But it is what it is. That's it. Syndergaard's gone. I would have loved to have seen him back with the Mets. Really, I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Clearly, he didn't want the Mets. Speaking of pitching here in New York, Justin Verlander is again a Houston Astro to the tune of a one-year, $25 million deal New York baseball fans, Yankees and Mets. He worked out at the Cressy facility, held his showcase there. Are you mad about how he bolted to the Astros? Is anybody mad? Do you think he could have helped a starting rotation that's absolutely barren behind Garrett Cole in the Bronx? Do you think he could have helped the ragtag Mets starting rotation with Syndergaard gone, DeGrom injured, and Stroman not guaranteed to return? Was Verlander the answer? Let's talk about it. Give me a call, Yankees and Mets fans. 877-337-6666. Welcome back. I think, I guess it's still dinner time. Daniel McCartan here on Dinner Time on the fan. I'm getting a little hungry. I got some snacks here, but I think I'm hungry for dinner. So whatever you guys are enjoying for dinner, wonderful. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on the fan till uh, 9 p.m. tonight uh, when Brian McKeon comes your way. You know, we just uh, talked about Justin uh, Verlander. He held that showcase for 15 to 20 teams over there at the Eric Cressy's place in Florida. Mets had two scouts there. The Yankees had one, but one really important one named Eric Cressy. Did I want Justin Verlander for either of New York teams? You know, Mets or Yankees, if you're a fan of the show, you know, I told you a while ago when he had his first tryout, I said I'd want him on the Mets or the Yankees only if he was going to be like the third or fourth starter for either of them. 
not the one or two. Really not even three, mostly four. As it turned out, one year, $25 million is what he got from the Astros. That, to me, is not third or fourth starter kind of money. I'm good. I'll pass. Especially for a guy that's going to be 39 by the time pitchers and catchers report. (coughs) Excuse me. Especially for a guy who hasn't pitched in a full season since 2019. That year, he just so happened to win the Cy Young, too, though. Okay. If you're keeping tabs, he pitched in one game in 2020 before being shut down because of a forearm strain. And especially for a guy who missed all of 2021 recovering from Tommy John surgery. Eric Cressy has all of the information available. All of it. Like he did with Kluber. And because he advised the Yankees to make a move on Kluber last year and did not advise the Yankees to make a move on Verlander this year, you know what that tells me? That tells me Verlander is damaged goods. No thank you for Verlander as a Yankee or as a Met. Not at $25 million. Hard pass. We'll go back to the phones at 877-337-6666. Kevin in Camden, you're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? Uh, well, I watched the Nick game. I'm getting frustrated, so I just turned it off. Well, it's, uh, it's tied. I just saw on TV. It's tied. Yeah, but it, that doesn't mean they played like crap this first half. All right, but, yeah, I haven't uh, had much I'll of get, an eye on it. I'll get into, I'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the Yankees and the Mets. I'm going to start with the Yankees. Uh, I touched on this with you a little bit earlier. Uh, letting go of Wade and Frazier, and, although I really don't care about it, so I'm not even commenting. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Wade, look, he's been here a long time. He had a really good year this, this past year. Um, and he offers a lot of positional versatility. I, I think I would have kept him around for another year. Yeah, I mean, they still can. They still can re-sign him. They they can, and, and I'm with you. I probably would have kept him around one more year. Yeah. But I got to say, letting Frazier go, though, I mean, can the Yankees botch anything up like the way to do with this man's development? Yeah, no. I mean, seriously, the guy hasn't... I mean, he's been hurt. I, I know this, this last year was hurt, but he, he had chances to play, and, and they just never... Used him. There were chances when they could have tra- Cashman could have traded him, but he held on to Frazier too long, and th- and that's one of Cashman's issues. He holds on to prospects, yep. and so they have no further use, or, or, or their value is, is at an all time low. Look at um Gary Sanchez. Sanchez. There were people who actually wanted Gary Sanchez, and they and Cashman kept him, uh, and now his value is practically nothing. But I mean, and I hope Frazier gets another team because you want to know what? I hope you stick it to the Yankees and you show them. Because I know he's a very talented player. You and I both know this. Frazier, I hope you stick it to the Yankees because they need to. They need to. Show, he needs to show them you guys messed up. And I, I want Frazier to get that opportunity. I really do. I just, Kevin, and I hear you, and I'm with you, and I'm, I've heard that that it's just the attitude that's a huge problem with him. It's a, I did hear that too. Yeah, I did hear that. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. As far as the Mets with that player, uh, okay, okay, all right, he talking. He talked about all this. I've been a Mets fan for a while too. I heard show, show you better back up your words instead of just talking. I've heard so much talk about collaborative efforts and all this. Show me that you're determined to win because I'm not. I'm not sold on him. I, I'm not sold. I am not. I mean, either. he was he was the guy who signed Anthony Rendon in that contract. I mean, I, and he he, he wasn't exactly winning with the Angels. So I'm not. I'm just. I'm not sold on him. I do have three managerial recommendations for the Mets, but I doubt either one of them's gonna. Um, one is Mike Schilt. For me, I want Schilt. I want Joe McEwing. I think he's on the White Sox. And I do want uh, Showalter. Mm. Those are so three those really are three. different guys. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I think, well, I mean, McEwing's an old school guy. He, he played in New York. He was David, he is David Wright's best friend. I mean, it's just a, a little known. So he does know New York, McEwing does, and he's been a coach for a few years, and he, he does have some experience being a bench coach. So that would be one. And then, you know, obviously Showalter being a New York guy, and he's an old school guy like that. And also, and that, like you said, with Show, those are my three guys. But again, I don't know what the Mets are going to do. And I don't know what Eppler's going to do, but you have to show me something. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just I, I, I hope, and we need pitching. I, I bring back, like I said, Strowman. Uh, well, Baez, I, I'm still on the fence with it. Bryant more than Baez, which I still, I, I'm still swallowed, but I'm admitting it. Bryant over Baez any day of the week now. Yeah. As much as I love Baez, and I, I still will. But, and, and as far as the Yankees, and the, I got to say this. They, they they better get they better get their act together. The Yankees and the both of them better get their act together because I, I, I I'm not sold I'm not sold on Cashman and Boone as, as you already know, and I'm not sold out New York in general needs to get their butt together. And I'm not and I'm talking about in general like all the teams every like except for Brooklyn because they're the only team good, but all the teams need to get their butt together. And I'm going to get into football with you tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk more about the Giants and Jets, which. I will get into tomorrow, and I was, and for the first time this past Sunday, they lost when I wore my lucky jet shirt. So <laughs> I'll get into that tomorrow, and we'll talk football. But as far as the Yankees and Mets, we'll see what goes on. And as far as basketball, I'm not even watching the rest of the game tonight. So oh, come on, some, well, no, you, you know, I, I get too stressed out. Right. If if they win, I'll check it. But if I just don't like the way they're looking right now. Yeah, no, I but get you. I mean, they're all trying too hard. I can, I can go on and on. I know, I know you got more callers, so I'm not going to try to hold up the phone too much. But, Coach, it's always a pleasure, and I always enjoy it. And I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk football. So thanks for taking my call. You got it, Coach. Always appreciate it. All the love, Coach. You Thank got it, you. And uh, the main takeaway there is that, okay, Billy Epler, GM of the Angels, what did you do there? Show me what you did there. Because that team that you were the general manager of and that team that you assembled did not make the postseason with Mike Trout on the roster. Not once and not since he left. That's a big problem. Brooklyn, New York, we go. Mo, you're on the fan. Great show, Danielle. Thanks, Mark. First, I appreciate that. call in front of me was a little winded, but I, I, I held in there good. for you. All good. Um, I, I see you let your calls go a little longer, so I'm going to make a point that I didn't call on. I think you hit the nail on the head on why Mike White should play, because it does give us some trade bait in the future. Yes. Um, I believe that the Jets, if they knew what they had with, with Mike White, they probably never would have traded for Flacco. Exactly. For Flacco. I, I made that point earlier. Like, why trade for Flacco? Because yeah. White started on a Sunday. The trade deadline wasn't until Tuesday. Why not see what you got? I mean, no one's banging down the doors asking for Joe Flacco, right? I mean, come on. The, the problem is I don't think the Jets know what's under the hood. Half well, right. You exactly. Know what I mean? Exactly. That, 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 that they're, they, they, don't, they don't evaluate well. Yep. So the, the reason for my call is um, with the Mets, right? So a couple of problems you have, I mean, everyone's talking about the manager. And all. The first thing you really do need is coaches on the lines, and that's going to be a problem. Um, you mentioned Verlander may be 39 when catches and pitches report. He may be 49 when catches and pitches report. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Right? Um, the other problem, I, I, I don't know if anyone ever noticed it with the Mets, but, you know, they talk about the front office. Listen, I'm not going to give up any names, but I happen to know that there's a there's a bit of dissension in that clubhouse. 
Uh, it probably probably started with that squirrel story. Of course it did. Uh, and if you realize from that squirrel story, from that point on, the whole team went downhill. Yes. Because I think they lost the chemistry. Yep. One, one of the things I found quite offensive being a Mets fan is to watch the way they celebrated on walk-off wins, on sacrifice flies, errors, and doinkers, mm. like what they have accomplished. Mm. Instead of acting like a professional organization, taking the win and off and walking off the field, I don't need to see a bunch of grown men running around like nine-year-olds, ripping off their shirts like they won the World Series yeah. when we haven't accomplished anything yet. Yeah. So I think, I, think, I think the manager that comes aboard has to really, unfortunately, Rule with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the team needs to get back to the basics of the game. I think we're starting to learn that the strikeout home run um, is a temporary fix. Finally. In long term, what what wins in, in baseball is defense, speed, which comes to the field every day, and speed always shows up and power doesn't, yep. and defense. Yep. And if they could accomplish that, and hopefully um, they could make uh, Mr. DeGrom happy because – like I said, I'm not going to mention any name, any names, but I know for a fact that that young man is not thrilled with this organization, and that's quite quite a loss if if they lose him. I mean, how could and, it be though? Like, think about it. Like, think about the facts and how everything transpired. How could he be happy exactly. pitching for the Mets? So you can't blame him, could you? No. No, and I don't blame I don't blame Syndergaard. I don't blame anyone on this team because I see this team is being in a in a complete disarray. Yep. Uh, Players don't have many, many years, so why would I want to stay with an organization that's in turmoil yep. when I can go to someplace with some semblance of order yep. and maybe learn from different coaches and managers that have been established in this, at, at one place for some time? Yep. And that, that's just what the Mets do constantly, and, and, and they're another one like the, the Jets that don't know what's under the hood, unfortunately. Uh, they don't evaluate well either, but... I think we. I think the whole game has to get away from strikeouts and home runs. Yes. Realize speed and defense come every day. Yep. Um. And 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 that's what's going to win games. Love your show. Think you're doing a great, great job. And 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 really enjoy the callers that call in because you you don't cut them off. You give them time. Some of them are winded like myself. Ah, that's okay. But, so, you know what? That's what makes it good. You get your point across. Uh, we we yeah. we have a nice, respectful banter. You could be. Yeah. I listen. Anybody that disagrees with me, that's fine. As long as it's a yeah. disrespectful disagreement on on sports. I'm okay with that. All good. Absolutely. But you and I so far have been in complete harmony. I mean, we agree with the Jets and the Mets. And, uh, <laughs> Look at that. Listen, I'm a Mets fan that roots for the Yankees. I really am. And I'm a, a diehard Giant and Jets fan because it allows me to watch two games on a Sunday. Right. Except this year, I had my wife convinced that I was a both of Jet and Giant fan. It gave me all Sunday. Now they put them on at the same time. I can't stand that. I can't. I hate it. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Mo, well, we have a lot in common. Thanks for the call. We'll talk. I'm you on tomorrow. It. Call me back tomorrow. You guys. You got it. All right, bye. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's the worst when the games are on at 1 o'clock, both of them. Both, yeah, Jets and Giants on at 1 o'clock. I mean, I do have the split screen now that I sat on the remote and figured it out by accident that I, I plopped down on the couch and I was like, oh, pitcher and pitcher. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No. That's how that happened? Yes. That's like out of a movie. I know. I sat down and I was like, oh, I have pitcher and pitcher. What? Oh, my God. Life-changing. Oh, is that what PIP is? Yeah. I was just how I got the PIP. Oh, my God. Put it in PIP. Put it in PIP mode. Yeah. Well, I have to go down and feed the meter. So we're going to quick throw to a quick break here. I hope there's no ticket on the car. I'm going to grab my wallet and get down there. And uh, I'll be back with you guys in a second. 877-337-6666. And I got to tell you, I resume my New Year's resolution. Do a new thing every single month. 
I've completed November's. I'll tell you what it is. It's sports-related, of course, and who inspired it. Coming up next. To McCartan's Before Midnight here on The Fan. I am Danielle McCartan at Coach MCCARTA and on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. I told you guys, I told you that I have uh, my New Year's resolution is to do something new. I like to live in my little comfort zone, but to do something new every month. I don't think that's hard. So COVID kind of derailed it for a while. I've been back at it. So for the month of November, I wanted to try Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mostly, really, because if I'm going to talk about these sports at times on the air and go see them live, which I have, you know, UFC, my first one was in New York City, uh, Madison Square Garden. You know, I want to be able to experience what it's like to play them. Get that firsthand experience. I mean, that's just me. But anyway, Mike Barley, owner of Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu in Mayo Pack, Welcomed my cousin and I last week for about 90 minutes. And I didn't realize exactly how intimate <laughs> this whole sport was. So I- I'm very grateful to him, to Mike, for arranging for there to be two other women there for me to work with. Um, and it, when it became time to roll, that's what they call it, roll. I mean, Courtney kicked my butt and took no prisoners. But then Alex was a great teacher of the sport. So it was really good for me to have gotten both experience, really, seriously. Anyway, it was a fun time. I'm glad I did it. I definitely learned some things. And I am very appreciative to Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu, um, that whole community, especially that one up there in Mayapak, and, and to Mike for having us. So thank you. Um, but I must say that the whole thing was inspired by my friendship with Misha Tate, who fights tonight, by the way, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is her fighting background. So I wanted to try it. So anyway, that's that shameless plug for my friend Misha fighting on ESPN Plus tonight. And I can't wait for her to kick butt. I don't want to say the other word, but kick butt and take another name. And I wish I could be there at the Apex Center to watch UFC Vegas 43 live. But streaming it to my phone will have to do tonight. We will experience it together, I think. The main card has already started. I'm on till 9 We'll see what time she gets on there. But Misha Tate, I am the biggest fan of yours. Go bring back another W. So excited. All right, back to the phones we go. 877-337-6666. In the order that you guys called always, that's how this goes here. Let's go to Bayside. And David, you're up next on the fan. (laughs) Danielle, how are you? I'm great. How are you? So, you're going to stick it out for the black belt? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm going all the way to the top. That's it. (laughs) It's going to take you some time. Oh, yeah. I got my butt kicked by Courtney. I mean, she kicked my butt. But, like, I was like, boom, boom. I was on my back. I was like, what? I blinked. How did that happen? BJJ is no joke. I got a friend who does it. He shows me some stuff. It is no joke. David, after it was over, I texted Misha Tate. I said, I'm coming for you. You're right. (laughs) She laughed. (laughs) Well, you put the fear into her. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely did. Yeah, she doesn't want this. I had the weirdest feeling you were going to say that. When you said something new this year, I was waiting and I'm waiting. I'm saying, is she going to say BJJ? Yeah, I tried. I did. I did. I mean, listen, I... It takes a lot of practice. Let's just put it that way. It's very hard. It's very difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's um, it's it's tough. There's um a BJJ gym right next door. I go to work out, and sometimes I you know go in there and watch these guys working out, and uh, it's tough. It's the real deal. It's a, BJJ you know, it's, is a it's real like, art. 
chess. It, it literally is chess. You have to think t- like two moves ahead of what the other person's going to do. Really. Well, remember last time I talked to you, you know, you said you're used to the stand-up game, right? After yeah. you came back from UFC. Yep. You're not so sure about the ground game. Yeah, still not sure. <laughs> you're trying to set up arm bars. Yes. You know, triangles. Yep. Everything. Get another fighter in your guard. Yep. Half guard. Oh, I know all that terminology guard. now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's real deal. You know, it, it's never been a really um, a big American sport. Mm-hmm. But now with the advent of UFC, mm-hmm. more and more people are starting to see what a good art it is. And once you understand it, it's just a phenomenal game. And that's why a lot of these early guys from Brazil had so much success in the UFC. Yeah. You know, and that's how it originally started. You had one of the Gracie brothers doing it, and he was a small guy beating guys twice his size. It's <laughs> getting him in arm bars, and nobody knew what was happening. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're tapping out. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. And that's what happened, too. The girl, Alex, she was, I was like, ow, ow. She was like, that's when I learned you have to tap out. She was like, you have to, if you can't use your hands, yeah. you have to actually say tap, not ow. And I was like, oh, well, now I know. Yeah. It's yeah. either that, or, you know, you could say goodbye to your arm or your leg. It's right. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yes. So. Big question for you, Misha Tate. Yeah. And I love the fact you're talking UFC. It is just so good <laughs> to hear UFC. On I do what I can. I mean, it's just, it's a great thing. Um, but Misha Tate tonight, Ketlin Vieta, mm-hmm. good fight. Mm-hmm. This is a tough one tonight. I Don't know. overlook this fighter. I know. It's, it's, the, it's the main event. Yeah, this is big. And the thing that makes this so good is you've got two fighters who need a victory tonight yeah. in their careers. Vieta, two out of the last three she lost. Came in overweight for the last fight. Just made the limit tonight. Misha, got to keep the momentum going. She needs a win tonight. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I, have, I have confidence. I mean, I, she's, I, you know what I mean. I, I, you know who I'm rooting for. Let's just put it that way. No, no, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, the key to Tate winning tonight is, look, you got, you know, Tate's real game is wrestling. Yep. And then you got to be JJ, okay? So, you know, you never can predict these things. But in all likelihood, it's going to end up on the ground, mm-hmm. right? Vieta's tough on the ground. I don't know if you saw her last fight against Sarah McMahon. No, I didn't. Okay? That was tough. I mean, she choked her out up against the cage with one arm, and she had nowhere to go. So you know, right, when they tell you roll to your left to sink in the choke or move to your right to sink it in deeper, she had nowhere to go. So she's tough, and she got the choke. Misha's got to avoid being on her back. That's the thing. I learned that, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If she's a wrestler, you know, fighting off your back is not their forte. She's got to get the top game. She's got to stay out of Vieta's guard. Vieta has long legs, and if she locks her up in her guard, and even if Vieta's on her back, she's going to throw up some elbows. She's tough off her back. This is a good fight tonight. Yeah, and, and Davey, thanks for the call there. I'm very excited, and, and I'm tuned in right now. It looks like this fight that's going on right now, then we've got uh, one more fight, and then so we're almost there. This is going to happen live on the air for sure. This is going to happen live, this this Misha Tay fight. I'm so invested in this. I really am. It's cool. I think it's pretty cool. All right, the Copeg. Jimmy, you're up next on the fan. Jimmy. Hello. Hello. It's Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. It's Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Danielle. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to be 69 in a month. Happy birthday. Oh, my God. I, I, I've done a lot of things. I was a bodyguard, a bouncer. I worked for Jerry Cooney when he fought Larry Holmes. Um, I've been, and I worked for the Jets for 38 years as an official. A fun thing, I was chain gang guy. I I did the chain. That's cool. It it was awesome. (laughs) I married Joe Namath's girlfriend. 
What? I married Joe Namath's girlfriend. Wow. That's yeah, your, and, and, you're and famous. God rest his soul. She died a, a few years ago. Oh, I'm sorry about that. But, but anyway, 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 you are, I, I, I listen to the fan all the time and I never heard you before. Really? You are so credible. So awesome. You know what you're talking about. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the Jets, though. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I was an official for them for 36 years. I, I'm still friends with Joe Klecko and, and Marty Lyons. Jimmy, and you got to get them on my so show. Much. I'd love to have them on the show. But anyway, I know what I'm talking about. The whole coaching staff of the New York Jets is Rich Kotite. They should be gone. I disagree there, Jimmy, and thanks for the compliments there. I, I love that. Um, I disagree there in the sense that this is a brand-new unit. As a brand-new head coach, you're going to make mistakes, especially with a brand-new offensive quarter and brand-new everything, right? I would give them one more year. And if I see no more improvement, not in the number of wins per se, but in, in the improvement of the team, fundamentals, scheme, all that. If I don't see it, I, I got to think about moving on because you've got a rookie quarterback in there and this is going to be Sam Darnold all over again. So I'm willing to cut this coaching staff some slack right now. Unfortunately, the, the death of Greg Knapp, of course, through everything for a loop right in the beginning of the season. And again, you've got a bunch of guys that are working together for really the first time, whether it's the players or the coaching staff and, and whatever. Uh, I'm willing to give him one more year. I'm not ready to yank him just yet. Uh, Paul in Washington, New Jersey, you're up next on the fan. Hey coach. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. I am. I, I hope I get this right. I am a short time, first time. How's that? Short time, first time. I like it. That That's a good uh, winning percentage there. It's a good streak. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you, when, when my wife and I started listening to you, we didn't really know much about you. The moment, the moment you brought in a trumpet <laughs> and played taps for the Mets. <laughs> and that the was Yankees. It. And the Yankees. Yeah, well, I'm a Mets fan, so I don't really, you know. Yeah. The, 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 the trumps, the, the taps for the Yankees was a happy song for me. <laughs> but, you know, the moment, and then, and then, now you've gone to another level because you've actually changed what I was going to eat tonight. Oh, wow. You started talking, you you started talking about tonight, your pasta. Yeah. Well, no, what happened was I was going to go outside and grill a steak. And it's cold out and wasn't really looking forward to that. And then you brought that up and my wife said, uh, I think we might have some chicken parm in here. Oh, nice. Send me some. Bring me some. All right, you got a Mets <laughs> point there, Paul. Go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, quick, quick Mets point to yeah. me. Um, this doesn't change until, until Sandy's out. I mean, if you listen to the GM, new GM, he comes in and, and they ask it, which was a great question. They said, do you want an old school manager or yes. you want an analytical manager? Yep. And what does he say? He says, I've got my opinions, but you know I got to talk to the yes. to, to the rest of the people. That and me. to me, yep. to me, the moment you have a committee, you put six people in a room and you say, "Draw a horse." Yeah, you, you they get a can't. horse's face with a cow's body with a yeah. dog leg and yeah, a pig yeah. tail. Yep. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so, I know. It's a collaborative is, uh, effort, there, Paul. It's a collaborative effort all throughout baseball nowadays. All right, I'm going to talk about my experience wearing green to MetLife Stadium with my friend that was a Bills fan, or that is a Bills fan, 
Uh, spoiler alert, it was not a fun time. Coming up next here on The Fan. See for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term providers help thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-200-1966. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-200-1966. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-200-1966. 800-200-1966. Listen up. It's going to get cold quick. Is your heating system ready? There's only one company to call. Edison Heating and Cooling, New Jersey's homegrown heating experts, serving New Jersey for over 35 years. Schedule your system tune-up now and be ready for winter. If your current system is over 15 years old, it's time to upgrade to a high-efficiency carrier system with $1,000 rebates plus additional savings. Go now to New Jersey's homegrown heating experts, EdisonHVAC.com. That's EdisonHVAC.com. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Call Protect My Car for details. Look, money's tight for everyone right now. It's been a tough year, and you sure don't need to get hit with a big, unexpected bill. Like, what if your car breaks down right now? How are you paying the bill? If it's your transmission, that's over three grand. Your engine, up to 6000 Even minor repairs like your air conditioning can hit your wallet hard. Here's the good news. If you have a car, truck, or SUV that's $19.99 or newer, you can stop paying for repairs right now. That's right. With Protect My Car, when your car breaks down, we pay your repair bill for you. Just dial 800-279-2827 on your mobile phone now to get started. Protect My Car pays for repairs to your engine, transmission, air conditioning, suspension, and so much more. Dial 800-279-2827 and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits. Dial 800-279-2827 on your mobile phone right now and get free roadside assistance, free towing, free car rental, and free oil changes. Dial 800-279-2827 and never pay for car repairs again. Dial 800-279-2827. Hey, it takes two vaccines to help protect you this season. The flu and COVID-19. And now you can get both shots at the same visit. Learn more at cdc.gov vaccines. WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York. An Odyssey station. WFAN Sports Flash. Powered by Superbooks, now open with better odds and favorable prices. Good evening at 7.02. I'm Erica Herskowitz, and this report's brought to you by H.L. Gross Jewelers. Shop H.L. Gross in Garden City or at hlgross.com. Well, the Knicks are trying to turn things around as they square off against the 1-14 Rockets at the Garden, but it's been a close one. Right now, Houston leads New York 76-72 with one minute gone by in the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, local hockey this afternoon, the Devils overcame a 3-1 deficit and scored four goals in the third, went on to beat the Lightning in Tampa 5-3. Tonight, the Islanders are back home for their first game at the USB, or rather UBS Arena. They're facing off against the Flames in Elmont right now. That game just about to get underway. Rangers center Mika Zibanejad had a false positive COVID test, so he's cleared to play uh, tomorrow when the Rangers face off against the Sabres. Giants safety Logan Ryan tested positive for COVID, so he's officially out for Monday night's game against the Bucks. Local college football today, Penn State shut down Rutgers 28-zip. Army beat UMass 33-17. Local college basketball, number 23 UConn defeated Binghamton 87-63. And with sports flashes at the top of the hour, I'm Erica Herskowitz. 
The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Siri, play WFAN. Back to old school Blink-182. Welcome back to my show. Danielle McCartan here on The Fan in New York City, everybody. You know, this past weekend, I went to the Jets-Bills game with my friend Christina, who is visiting from Las Vegas. I talk about here a lot on with you, and, and she's a great friend of mine. But anyway, her parents are from Buffalo. She grew up a Bills fan. And that morning, my friend Jason from college texted me, 9.08 a.m., a picture of his car in the empty parking lot of MetLife Stadium. So we met up with him. We hung out for a little while. And then we went into the game to see the National Anthem, the flyover, which was awesome. And we got to see the loud standing ovation that Mike White got when the Jets introduced him. And that didn't last long. And let me tell you, I went to a Bills home game in East Rutherford, New Jersey. We first noticed it in the parking lot, like right away. We were walking into the stadium. And there were people singing that stupid Bills Mafia song all over the place. So me and the guy next to me were the only two people wearing green that I could see in my entire section. There were two Jets fans behind us, but they left at halftime. It was a total blowout, which didn't help my cause in my Boomer Esiason jersey. And Christina rubbed it in in every single big play. And there were a lot of them for Buffalo in that game. She made fun. Of the fact that the Jets PA announcer and the fans made such a big deal of, it's third down. Like, she was like, what? They celebrate third downs around here? I mean, she has a point. I guess it was good that I was with her because no one picked on me in my own stadium while I was wearing my Boomer Esiason jersey. And here I was worrying about her wearing Bill's gear with Jets fans. She was also telling everybody that would listen. She was like, she's on the radio. She's on WFAN. She's really good. She's actually famous. She's so smart. I'm like, Christina, I, I love the pump up, but shh, like stop. So at halftime, I, uh, I go to the bathroom. And when I sit back down, she's sitting there by herself. Everyone else around her was gone. Uh, so I sat down and I said, just so you know, she says, just so you know, the two people sitting next to us, two Bills fans sitting next to us, they are totally interested to know about your radio stuff. I told them when he got up. Like, all right. So to the Bills fans sitting next to us, Mike and Tim, you're on the clock. You said you would call me. So here's your special invitation. Oh, and my favorite picture from the entire weekend, I think, of her visiting might have been this one. After the game, we were walking through the parking lot. The seagulls were flying right on top of our heads diving down, picking up the garbage, whatever. She's taking a picture of a Buffalo Bills bus. Next to it, I happened to notice that there was a broken table. So I said, Christina, give me your camera. Go sit there on that table as if you're the one who broke it. A hilarious photo shoot ensued. So, um, Christina, I know you're listening right now, so I cannot wait for you to come back during baseball season. At least you're a Yankee fan. Let's go to your calls. 877-337-6666. Mike Imanalapin, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? What's up, Mike? Good. How are you? Um, Quick, quick, um, you know, when I first started listening, I thought you were actually Sonny uh, Carton's son. 
but um, I, I really enjoy listening that? to you. Why would you think I that? I don't know. I, I just didn't recognize the voice. And the last so you thought time, I was a guy? The person I heard kind of like that. But anyway, you, thought I was you a do guy? a great job. Kind of weird. You do a great job. All right, thanks. Um, but anyway, um, wh- with Epler, I, I feel like you're giving him <clears throat> a little too much grief being, at a, being in uh, L.A. It's been you know, reported how bad the owner was, but also you blame him for the guy selling the opioids within the Angels, Angels uh, staff. I mean, how do you not know about that? How do you not know that's going on in your organization? Have you ever known anybody that deals drugs or takes drugs? They don't tell anybody. Oh, that's not true. For him to know about somebody within a, within a training staff. First of all, that's not true, but okay. 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 So then you've never met anybody that's actually has a problem or an addict. They hide it from everybody. Mm, Anyway, so that's not the manager. You know what? How about Mike? How about, how about we not go there? Because it's it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty uh, sore subject actually there, Mike. Danielle, the manager wouldn't know about it first. Listen, Mike. That probably Daniel. was the worst kept secret in that entire organization. It wasn't just one okay. player; it was multiple players. And okay. if it, and, it, and, that, and that then that goes to the cult. That speaks to the culture too. If the manager knew or didn't know, if the manager knew, why couldn't he go tell his his, uh, his general manager about it? Well, the general manager is not going to know regardless. He's not the what? guy that's down there on the ground level. But but then that's okay. Well, then let's just go with that. Then then why can't the manager feel comfortable enough to go tell okay, him so about blame that? Blame the manager. Blame the manager. No, I blame the general manager for setting Epler. up a culture. I mean, come, on. come on there, well, that, Mike. That, come on there, Mike. As a general manager, you set a culture within your team. You are the point person to set that culture. Maybe you have an owner above you. That's fine. But you mean to tell me that that manager couldn't go out and tell him that, that hey, you've got someone on your staff, Mr. Epler, that's selling opioids or giving, providing your players with opioids at the major league level? Come on. Come on. That, that, that's just tone deaf. That, that means that's a tone deaf person. Benny, Rockland, you're up on the fan. Hey, so I was actually going to call you about baseball, but once I heard you bust out that BJJ <laughs> note, it completely turned me around. I tried. So I mean, I tried I, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wrestled four years in high school, and it kind of hooked me into mixed martial arts. After that, I watched MMA and more UFC. But it gives you the aspect of what a ground game is. You yeah. understand that. You a lot, I've watched numerous events. Fight gets to the ground, all you hear is booing from people who yeah, have yeah. no idea what's going on. Yeah. But you understand, understand and see what's going on. If you want a nice little background into the UFC and some of the history of mixed martial arts, listen to Joe Rogan and Big John McCarthy. I've heard. the first. Yeah. That is an amazing podcast. I think I've listened to it three times. My cousin has told me all about it. I have to get into it. Yes, I I'm, I agree. And he actually did a Joe Rogan actually did a recent one with one of the Gracie brothers. I think it was uh, I forget which one exactly, but he did a one and he talked about the training and the intensity, especially with the with the main brothers and with the father. It was very intense. Yeah. Well, I appreciate okay. there, Benny. The uh, the. Uh, Podcast recommendation. It has been recommended to me. My cousin is a huge UFC fan. Um, and I'm just checking in now to see what fight they're on. Because I can't wait for Misha to take the fight. Matt at the Jersey Shore. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm good. You know, I, I have a Yankee and a Jets boy. But before I get into that, I mean, I don't know if Misha is into UFC in the UFC arena or not. She's at the, the Apex Center in Vegas, the fight is. 
I mean, I, I really try to get into it, but when someone's on the floor getting punched over and over again, I just can't get into that. Even, like, you know, the the best I can do is, is the Cobra Kai series right now. <laughs> no, I know. I get it, and I and I think it's a brutal sport, too, but... I've, you know, I've talked with her. I've, it's, it's, it's almost like boxing, you know, in a sense. It's almost. I, I don't know. I, I just have a new appreciation for it. Let's just put it that way. Right. Well, if you're enjoying it, at least you're you're doing your one thing a month, uh, one new thing every month. Yeah, right? that's it's, right. It's cool, cool I got to get something for December um, now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to know what that is. Um, so, the the first thing in terms of what. What is happening right now with the Jets? I mean, I if I wasn't a Jets fan, I'd never understand the logic of what they're doing with putting in uh, Flacco to start tomorrow when clearly you have something in Mike White. Even if it's not sustainable, at least it's entertaining. But the fact that they – and I've heard of this for a little while now that – they're trying to avoid some kind of a quarterback controversy if he does seem like he could be something, and then you have to, you know, have a controversy with whether or not you start him or Kyle Wilson. I mean, they are just the most ineptly run organization exactly. when it comes to sacrificing winning long-term just just to win short-term maybe tomorrow with Joe Flacco. Yeah. So that's, that's my Jets' two cents. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I, I think too, and, and, and they're making a mistake here too because if Mike White, they could show some tr- show some promise, some trade value with him. You know, like what are we doing here? Right, they're biting out their nose despite their face, yes. pretty much. Yep. But um, as but that's the Jets. I mean, yep. They they shoot themselves in the foot every every step of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with the, with the Yankees, I was actually. Not surprised to see them clean house a little bit. I kind of thought uh, Gary Sanchez might be, if if you know, if not in a trade, at least they dump him at some point because they they just need to cut bait with this guy already. But other than uh, first base and center field, and obviously getting a number two pitcher, which they badly need, uh, I'm just hoping that they're smart enough not to go after a shortstop and, you know, further saddle this team with another huge contract mm-hmm. that's, that's going to set us back from, from going after other needs, you know, especially with Volpe in the, in the minor leagues. Right. Well, and, and I know that's, that's a concern, right? And, and I know that. But, I mean, look at what the Dodgers did. I mean, they almost got there, and they almost did it. And if Bauer didn't have his his stuff, they probably would have got there. And not to, I'm not saying that they he should have pitched, but I'm saying that th- they went about it the right way. And I wish that the Yankees would just go ahead and just do it. Nick in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Yeah, hi. Uh, first of all, I love your show. Oh, I'd like to make one point about the Jets. Go ahead. Is that I think like Mike White should start. Like I think he deserves to start. He would play so good. Maybe close one game. He shouldn't like not start. Uh, not start. I think he deserves to start at least the first half. If he's not good the first half, then go over to Joe Flacco. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, there, Nick. I like you keeping that short and sweet and succinct. Yeah, I agree with you. I- I'm not sure why the Jets would have selected uh, Joe Flacco over Mike White. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I sat down and I tried to figure out. Maybe a couple reasons why, and, and and maybe they just want to win a game. Maybe that's it. But 
if uh, if the Jets just wanted to, to win a game, I mean, start the start the veteran quarterback against the Bills. I mean, why bother starting Mike White? And then, I mean, the game was still like I know Christina was rubbing it in my face, you know, but the game was still winnable at halftime. It was. It was close enough at halftime. And then once halftime was over, but but why not? If you're trying to win a game, why not put Joe Flacco in right there at halftime? Why put him in long enough to throw just three passes? Like that, I, I don't understand that. Like Mike White was that bad that at the end you had to give Joe Flacco three passes to throw? Like I, I don't get that part. So I, I guess I guess it's not about winning games, right? So I'm like, okay, maybe Joe Douglas just has to, uh, you know, say like, hey, I traded for him. I could have signed him, but I traded for him. So I, since I traded for him, that's the reason why he's going to play in this game. Or is it maybe that three and seven Dolphins defense is just really that complex that a guy like Mike White can't figure it out? Maybe that's it. And by the way, we're assuming, we're under the assumption that Zach Wilson is just not well enough. His injury is not healed enough for him to take the field, right? That, that's the assumption we're operating under. Not the fact that he's not prepared, has low confidence, any of that. We're operating under the, the, the premise that he's just not healed. And then I'm thinking, like, you know what? Knowing the Jets, this is completely about not having a bigger quarterback controversy than what they've already got. Think about it. Mike White goes out there against the 3-7 and seven Dolphins team, brings the Jets home a win, theoretically, right? Has a great game, you know, two touchdowns, maybe one interception, whatever, which is the complete opposite, by the way, of, of that Bills game, in case you were watching. I was there. <laughs> but say he goes out and has a great game. And then Zach Wilson's ready to come back the week after that. Do you think that Jets fans would be like clamoring for Mike White at his first mistake? I think so. And I think that's what the Jets are trying to avoid at all costs. On the phone in a few seconds will be Andy Vasquez from NorthJersey.com, USA Today Sports. We are going to try to get to the bottom of some of this with him next here on The Fan. Danielle McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. It is 7.23 p.m. on this beautiful Saturday Saturday night here in New York City. On the hotline, Andy Vasquez, who covers the New York Jets for NorthJerseySports.com, NorthJersey.com, and USA Today Sports, joins us right now on The Fan. Andy, thanks for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. How you doing? I'm great. You know, we're just trying to figure out and unravel what the heck is going on with this New York Jets team, and we we're hoping that, that you can help us. I can try. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to unravel, but yeah. I, I will do my best to help you uh, solve whatever riddle you're trying to solve because there are many. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the probably the biggest one. Do you think that the decision to start Joe Flacco tomorrow was the right one? Uh, no. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't get it. I don't like it, especially when you look at how they set it up. I mean, for six months, they talked about Robert Sala, Joe Douglas. We don't need a backup quarterback, an experienced backup. We believe in Mike White. Uh, And then as soon as Zach Wilson gets hurt, 24 hours later, they trade for the backup. So what happens if Zach Wilson got hurt after the trade deadline? Right. Uh, 
So, so that's the first thing. And, and then just the way they handled the whole Mike White situation, which I actually liked. And I, and I understand that it created a little bit of a, opened the door for a little bit of a quarterback controversy. Yep. But I think that's the right thing to do as a coach, because at that point, Mike White is playing better than Zach Wilson had. And you're pumping the guy up and trying to get him to believe in himself. And if you say Zach Wilson's coming back as soon as he's not injured, that's going to take some of the air out of his sails. So, so I got what he was doing, and I like how he stuck with it. And you get to Monday after Mike White struggles against the Bills, and, and Robert Sala says, you know, I, I think it's unfair that, that people want to discard him after one day, and I still have faith in Mike White. Right. And then two days later, you bench him for Joe Flacco. So all of those things – when you see the way they set it up, it's just, it's hard to, to understand. Um, and, and I think you're missing a chance to, to get another look at Mike White and see what he can bring. I think mm-hmm. that Bills game kind of proves that, like, if he's going to be having games like that, you'd rather stick with Zach Wilson this season moving forward because he's the number two pick and he has obviously more, more talent. But um, I, I think, for this game, it just it's a tough thing to do that to uh, to Mike White, and it's hard to see how Joe Flacco, who hasn't played in a year, literally a year ago was his last start, is going to be the guy who's going to lead them to victory. So I don't like the decision, but um, their reason is they want an experienced guy to deal with the Miami Blitz, and certainly Joe Flacco is experienced, and, and Miami is certainly uh, a team that likes the Blitz a lot. So I, from that standpoint, I, I get it, but I just don't like the way it got set up and, and and where we're at at this point. Yeah, so so you, you you touched on it. Robert Sala reversed course between what he said on Monday and what he said a few days later. So you, Andy Vasquez, do you think that the reversal of course was a directive from above or was it a first-time coach, you know, kind of speaking out of turn there? I mean, why the reversal of course and the change in rhetoric, you know, within the matter of what 4 days? Yeah, it was really two days. I mean, it was forty-eight less than forty-eight hours, um, and I don't, I don't know. That's the honest answer. I don't know. I do know that it makes you can ask those questions, and, and that is one of the reasons it, it's a bad decision because all of a sudden it looks like either he's indecisive, disingenuous, or like you said, some somebody is pulling strings from above. Right. So it, it's it's not a great look. Uh, I think he's handled a lot of things really well. I think. You know, his positivity is something that is, while the fans don't want to hear it or see it because they've been so frustrated by the last decade, I think I think it's something that is needed in that locker room. And it's he's definitely changed some things, but it's tough to figure out how to manage this stuff. And and I think that's probably he's learning, too, just like all the other young people on this team are. And I think he's going to have to kind of learn how to handle these situations and kind of foresee how. Like the media isn't here, most of us aren't here to to sensationalize stuff. Um, right. But right. these things can take on a life of their own when you open the door right. for them right. to. And I think he opened the door and and opened it way too wide. Yeah. No. Not he absolutely did, and and you're right about that. Uh, but my question is because I, I don't see every minute of every single press conference. Obviously, that mm-hmm. you do, and you're part of them. Was Robert Sala asked that directly? Like like who made the decision to start Flacco? Um, he was not asked that directly, but they've been pretty consistent that this, these types of decisions are decisions that are made 
as a group. It's not just Robert Sala pulling the strings. He gets with Joe Douglas uh, and, and, and everybody kind of has a hand, I think, in them. Mm-hmm. But no, specifically, he has not been asked that directly. And, and maybe that's something he needs to be asked. Hey, Andy, do it. Ask him. It could happen. It could happen. Maybe maybe we'll see what happens on Sunday. I'm sure the Jets will give us plenty to talk about tomorrow. Sure. But it could be it could be a, a topic of conversation, or who knows how how it's going to play out. We may be talking about something completely different 24 hours from now with this team. That's probably how it's going to go. Yeah, and that and so is the Jets. And we're talking with Andy Vasquez, who covers the New York Jets for NorthJersey.com. USA Today Sports, right here on the fan. Uh, so you mentioned it. This Dolphins defense. All week, everyone's been talking about how complex it is. They blitz a lot. They hit the quarterback the, with the, the best rate in the entire NFL. In your opinion, is it really that complex? I mean, they are 3-7, and seven, these Miami Dolphins. Well, it, yeah, and, and they're ranked actually near the bottom in most of the defensive statistical categories, but they've been a different team the last few weeks, and I, and I think because they've figured out how to get back to the roots of what made them good last year which is getting after the quarterback blitzing you know they've figured out with their young safeties kind of how to manage them and and obviously having a guy like Xavier Howard at corner you can leave him on an island so I think they've kind of figured out their personnel and, and the defense is playing at a much higher level than it was earlier in the season but it's definitely um exploitable they, there definitely are some weaknesses uh, the Jets are going to have to find a way to beat that blitz early because that's the only way you can stop them from doing it. Otherwise, right. they're going to keep bringing the house. And then the other thing is, like, you don't know. They may have a completely different game plan for the Jets. They've had 10 days to prepare. Um, they may not blitz as much. It may get a totally different look. And, and the Jets, who obviously have an inexperienced coaching staff, need to be ready for that, too, and be able to adjust because uh, they just can't keep losing these games by 30 points. It's It's not going to fly it's not going to work and that that's the thing that can get solid in trouble the most i think other than whatever happens with zach wilson moving forward is, is if you keep losing games by so much jets fans are very frustrated and, and do not want to see their team not being competitive on sunday and i think the jets need to find a way to do that tomorrow you know and i think it starts with the defense and i saw it on your twitter timeline actually and jeff Ulbrich, jets defensive coordinator for anybody who didn't see it said there's a quote and I know that might piss some people off because they're like, change it. It's all SH, you know. But Ulbrich mm-hmm. believes that they are improving base fundamentals and it'll soon show on Sundays. I mean, what? I mean, this defense is historically bad. What is he talking about? So, yeah, he doesn't want to change the entire defensive scheme because it's it's not something that teams typically do because of injuries. I mean, the Jets, to be fair, they've been decimated by injuries on defense. You're talking about probably the two most important players on their defense, Carl Lawson and Marcus May, both done for the season with Achilles. And then they lost their starting safety, LaMarcus Joyner, as well. And then you have such an inexperienced group of cornerbacks. When you take all the experience away from them, you start to see all these mistakes. And he's saying we're not going to make a snap move just to put a Band-Aid on this and try to, to fix it, we believe that we're going to make progress. We're going to figure it out with the system because if we abandon the system moving forward, like how are these players developing going into next year when we're going to have to go back to our system when we have better players? So I, I get what he's saying, but I think he needs to find a way to tweak the system in a way that like isn't putting his young players in terrible positions. And they need to do something to keep 
for, from giving up insane amounts of points and yards. I mean, they've given up 175 points in the last four games. In a four-game stretch, yeah. that's only only one team in NFL history has given up more since 1970. And I think it was uh, – I can't remember. I think it was the Titans in 2006 or something. It, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's an incredibly bad stretch of defense. They need to find a way to fix it. I understand you don't want to scrap the whole defensive system. And I don't think they should, but they've got to make some sort of changes or adjustments to make it so these kids aren't getting burned. Because I think that can affect their development going forward, too. Yes. When when you have psychologically these guys who are just being demoralized all the time. Now, they've done a good job of staying positive, but how long can that last for? I don't know. I mean, yeah. They've got to find a way to turn this around. And, and I think this is a good opportunity against Miami, a team that has not scored more than 28 points in any game this season. Mm-hmm. So. If Miami goes out there and hangs 30-plus on them, then you know it's really dire, and I don't know how they're going to fix it, and maybe then they'll they'll think of changing everything. But for now, they're going to stick with what they got, stick with the same play caller. Um, I think there will be some significant adjustments, but I don't think they're going to abandon their whole scheme. And I get it, but we're getting to the point here where this keeps going. They, they better consider everything. Yeah, and not to mention the Jets have the worst – points differential in the entire league at this very moment. I mean, is it the strategy that's bad or the fact that he's just working with little to no talent? It's oh, it's both, but I would lean more towards the talent. Like, these guys know what they're doing. They know how to coach a defense. It's been proven. Um, and when you look at the Jets at the beginning of the season, when they had more of their guys healthy, they were surprisingly good defense for a couple of games there for the first four or five games of the season. I don't think the first five games of the season, I don't think they gave up more than 30 points in the game and everything held up pretty well. I think the injuries hurt. And I think the league kind of caught up to them too and figured out like how to beat them, which is a lot of short passes. Don't let the pass rush get home. You kind of saw the blueprint in the Atlanta game in London. Uh, and then after that, they've had a real problem. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. They haven't adjusted well enough, but, I mean, they, they have some safeties on the roster that I honestly had not heard of until weeks ago, and they weren't here until a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And several guys who are in the game and weren't on the team during training camp. So it, it is a failure uh, on multiple levels, including the calculation that they could go into this season with so many young players in the defensive backfield and get away with it. And, and they might have if they had stayed healthy, but – that has to be part of your calculation when you're taking these risks before the season. And, and clearly it hasn't worked out. So it's a combination of things, but I think more than anything, it's just look at the guys they have out there. It's going to be tough uh, to win with that group. Joining us on WFAN is Andy Vasquez, who covers the Jets for the paper that I used to grow up reading, uh, the Bergen Record, which is now NorthJersey.com. You know, the initial timeline, I did the math at the time for the return of Mekhi Becton was supposed to be that Bills game. He obviously didn't play. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about him. When when can the Jets expect him back? So, yeah, he had that – his surgery was eight weeks ago this past Wednesday, and the timetable was four to eight weeks. And, and now we got an update this week that he's not going to be back at practice for the next one to three weeks. Wow. Um, and they're, they're saying, like, he's progressing well, but it's it's just hard because he's not, you know, in football shape at this point. And that's understandable because he couldn't run mm-hmm. for 
eight weeks. He couldn't do cardio for eight weeks. So to expect, like, everybody is going to say Mekhi Becton is out of shape again, which is technically true, but how do you stay in shape when you can't be on your knee, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a, a tough situation. So I think that's where they're at right now. Um, I, th- I think it's going to take time, and I don't think you're going to really see him on the field. Like, at, he's going to come back and practice. He's going to have to practice. They'll open a window. He'll have three weeks after he returns to practice to, to come back mm-hmm. and play. Um, I think he's going to need the full three weeks. And so that could be six weeks from now. Uh, uh, you're going to see him on the field again this season, more than likely, unless he has a setback. But it may not be until mid-December, late December, and then he's getting the final four games. So it's starting to look a lot like a lost season for Mekhi Becton. Um, it's still better than him spending the whole offseason rehabbing an injury if it had been a season-ending injury, a serious, a more serious knee injury. But it's certainly uh, one of the many kind of dark spots in the season, the fact that they, Mekhi Becton has missed all this time and missed all this chance to develop. Yeah, and it's certainly frustrating, too. Um, what percentage would you say Zach Wilson is? Is he 99%? Where is he? You watch him every day. Yeah, so we only get to watch the first 30 minutes of practice, and there's not much going on. I mean, he's there's some throwing drills and stuff. He's been moving well. I mean, he warmed up on the field in Indianapolis 10 days ago. Looked pretty good, but it was a pretty light workout. Then we saw him do a pretty vigorous workout before the game on Sunday at MetLife. And he has a brace on his on his right knee, but he's moving around pretty well. And he looks good at practice. Uh, Robert Sala said yesterday that his knee is pretty much where the doctors want it to be structurally. Uh, it's just a confidence thing now. Like, is he still feeling something in his knee? Is he not? Um, a week ago, when we talked to Zach Wilson, he said he still wasn't quite 100%. It was still mm-hmm. something he was worried about. I would imagine it's a lot closer now. Um, so it's hard to know if he's going to play next week. Robert Sala wouldn't even speculate on it, saying, said we're taking a day-to-day. But if you're looking at how he's progressing and how his workouts look, what we get to see before the game, and, and I'll watch again tomorrow before the game, uh, I think he's trending toward – I think there's a good chance he'll play next week, but the Jets are clearly being cautious with him. I think that's the right tack to take. We've seen them be aggressive with some of their young quarterbacks before with this injury stuff, it, and it doesn't usually work out. It certainly didn't work out for Sam Darnold. So I think Jets fans should be happy that they're being cautious. Um, but I do think he's getting pretty close to getting back on the field. Andy Vasquez, who covers the New York Jets for NorthJersey.com, USA Today Sports, joins us on the fan. Um, according to Tankathon, the Jets have the second easiest strength of schedule remaining. How many more W's do you see on their schedule? And how many would it, you know, you look at it and say, okay, this was a successful season for this team? I don't, I don't think people are going to like this answer, but I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think there's a number. I don't think it really matters how many games they win. I think what matters is when Zach Wilson comes back for however many games he plays is that he plays well yeah, and, and plays much better than he did yep. to start the season. Yep. Um, and if he does that, they will win some games. They'll probably, I, I think they can get to five or six wins. If he doesn't, they're, they're not going to win very many more games. Um, I mean, it's different now than I guess when I was saying this four weeks ago because their their defense has gotten to the point where it's so bad that like Zach Wilson could play well and they could still lose games. But I think 
generally that will be the case. If he plays well, they'll they'll win some games they need yep. to win. I mean, at Houston next week is a winnable game. You got two games against Miami, and like you said, even though their defense has been playing well, they're, they're three and seven. Uh, New Orleans Jaguars. And, and the, and the Eagles are coming to town, the Jaguars, too. And, and then you get the end of the season, and they're going to be playing some tough teams in the Bucks and, and Bills, but you don't know where those teams are going to be at, if they're going to be playing all their starters at that point. Right. So I think I think there's five or six wins is a realistic possibility. But I think what really matters, the only thing that really matters moving forward, and all that stuff I said about the Joe Flacco, Mike White quarterback decision, it, it's just, it's, nobody's going to be talking about it six weeks from now it's we're gonna be talking about how Zach Wilson looks and what it means for the future and that is the most important thing for Robert Sala that's the most important thing for this franchise moving forward and I think that's what they should be judged on this season Andy Vasquez from uh, NorthJersey.com USA Today Sports we have about 60 seconds how do you see tomorrow's game playing out do you think the Jets are going to win the game I do not I think it will be closer I think the defense will play better I think Joe Flacco is going to struggle um so I, I think the Jets will lose in a close game. I think they'll get behind a little bit early. About twenty, I think I picked twenty-one seventeen uh-huh. Dolphins. But I think things will be trending in the right direction defensively after this game, just because the Dolphins are a team that has a hard time moving the ball. Yep. And if they don't tomorrow, watch out. Well, Andy, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us tonight, and, and uh, I'll, I'll keep you on the board for for next time. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And that's Andy Vasquez from NorthJerseySports.com and USA Today Sports. He covers the Jets every single day, day in and day out, so he knows what's up. I'll give you my Jets prediction coming up right after the break on WFAN. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard if you'd like. To Danielle McCartan here on the fan in New York City. Can't get through. Give me a tweet. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I know this song. What is this song? I'll give you another five seconds. What is it? This is a classic. Good good choice here from Spike and the compilers. Yes, we, we the have fan compilers. curators. That's right. I don't know it. Party hard. Party hard, party hard. Andrew WK. Yeah, I do know the song. My friend was Andrew WK for her Halloween, by the way, and he looked just like him. That is a very unique costume. Isn't it? I'll send you the picture. I'm Daniel McCartan. He is Pat Boyle behind the glass taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Real quick, Andy Vasquez just gave you his Jets prediction. I've got mine. The 3-7 and seven Miami Dolphins. We'll be at MetLife Stadium tomorrow, taking on the 2-7 and seven New York Jets. This quite literally is a battle of the basement of the AFC East. Settle down, Giants fans. Your team plays Monday Night Football. I'll be back tomorrow, 4 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. with my Giants analysis and prediction. But right now, since the Jets play tomorrow afternoon, let's go there. The Dolphins are entering this game with a little momentum. They've won two in a row. And the second was an upset special against the Baltimore Ravens. And in that game, Tua Tungavailoa finished with a 104 rating, which is actually good. And he averaged over a first down in terms of yardage every single time he threw the ball. 12.2 yards per attempt, in case you're wondering. But Miami's offensive line kind of sucks, though. They have allowed four sacks last week. They're tied for 25th in the league. 
So the Jets might have a chance tomorrow if they can get after the quarterback. Other than that, I have to tell you that this Jets defense is historically bad, and you already know that. They're at or near the bottom in every major defensive category for 2021. Quarterback rating allowed, last. Quarterback yards per attempt, second to last. I mean, do we have to go through this again? We did this the last time I was with you. This defense is just flat out terrible for the New York Jets. So the question is, can veteran Joe Flacco overcome this Jets defense's deficiencies? That's really the wild card in this entire game. I'm going to go with probably not. The offensive line alone is just as bad as the Dolphins, and the Miami defense is much better than the Jets. In fact, Miami's defense is number one in the league in quarterback hits. Number one. So Joe Flacco will definitely be under duress from the very first snap that he takes. I mean, last week, that unit sacked mobile quarterback Lamar Jackson four times and hit him seven times. And you couple all of that with the fact that they pressure the quarterback a ton. They forced the quarterback to throw four interceptions in its last two games. And the fact that Elijah Vera Tucker has been limited in practice all week with a toe injury, and he's officially listed as questionable, I think that's a big fat yikes. And the Dolphins, they're playing for something with a win. They would be able to put the word playoffs, really, back in their vocabulary in the locker room and around that building. They're fired up. They're coming in, and they're looking for a W for that reason. I think this week the problem is not going to be with the Jets' offense. I think that they're going to be all right with Joe Flacco. The problem for this Jets team is that there are college defenses better than their defensive unit right now. So in the battle of the basement of the AFC East, and I know the Jets are only three-and-a-half-point underdogs, last I checked. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going Dolphins 28, Jets 20. The great news is I'm going to be with you at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So immediately following that game, you turn on WFAN, you give me a call with your immediate reactions, whether you're watching at home or stuck in traffic leaving the stadium. I'm going, and I hope I'm wrong, Dolphins 28, Jets 20. Ari in Brick, New Jersey. You're up next on The Fan. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666 is the number. Ari, you're up. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Listen, let me ask you a question. Um, do you listen to the Car and the Roberts shows in the afternoon? I typically watch them on TV, actually, on uh, on SMY. All right, same thing. Um, this past week happened to be Evan. Evan was saying why the Jets would start Joe Flacco over Mike White. Why and is that? The reason was because they don't want the controversy between Mike White and Zach Wilson. Well, we've been talking about now that, that all, all day here too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, now that it's over because he played so terrible, you'd rather just give it to Joe Flacco and end the whole thing. You would think. You would think that's the case there, Ari. You would think. Say Joe Flacco goes out and has a bad game. What do you do then? Do you make a change at halftime? Do you switch to Mike White? I mean, the Jets are so far up this entire controversy that they don't even know what to do next. Do you keep Joe Flacco in there if, if he's down 21-3 at halftime? No, I don't think so. I think you give Mike White a shot. If it's me making the calls, I'm 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 starting Mike White to begin with. But, hey, I'm not making the calls. Let's go to Marty in Westchester. You're up next on The Fan. 
Yes, good evening, Daniel. Thanks for taking uh, my call. Yeah, of course. Uh, I have a baseball question for you, a Yankee question. Yeah. Uh, in your opinion, what do you think the Yankees' best option would be for first base uh, next year? Hmm. Uh, would you uh, try to re-sign Anthony Rizzo or try to sign Freddie Freeman as a free agent? Or would you go after Matt Olson and put together a package of prospects uh, to uh, send to the A's from? Yeah, Marty, that's a great question. And I know it's top of mind for most, if not all, Yankee fans, especially what to do at first base. I mean, you can go one of two routes. Either you're going to sign Mike Rizzo for money, and Mike Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo for money, or you're going to go the trade route and you're going to give up, like you said, some prospects for a guy like Matt Olson. I did a very preliminary uh, comparison between Rizzo and Olson. Olson's better. He's the better player. Now it becomes which route are you going to go? If I'm the Yankees, and I love Anthony Rizzo, but if I'm the Yankees, I'm going for it. I am giving up the prospects. I'm getting Matt Olson, and I am signing Corey Seager. Because you know that that luxury tax is, is a uh, point of contention over there for, for Hal Steinbrenner. So if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, I'm going Olson Seager. If I'm Danielle McCartan, I'm going Rizzo Seager. Money, money. I don't want to give up any prospects. That's the conundrum we're in. Yankee fans, you tell me what you want to do. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. I'm Danielle McCartan with you for about another hour here on The Fan in New York. A new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. So a friend told me about Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and his exact words were, it changed my life. I used to spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to remove tomato sauce from inside our microwave and soap scum off the bathtub. It's like seriously magic and my secret weapon for cleaning the kitchen, bathroom, doors and walls and even keeping my sneakers clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Greatest invention ever. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. The unicorn of cleaning. Hey, it's the Moose. Mark Malusis. AutoZone has more ways to start the job your way. With their free next day delivery, you don't even have to leave the house. With free curbside pickup, you don't have to leave the car. And with free same day store pickup, you can get in and out. Get in the zone. WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York. An Odyssey station. WFAN Sports Flash. Powered by Superbooks, now open with better odds and favorable prices. Good evening at 8.01. I'm Erica Herskowitz. Well, the Knicks played from behind most of the way until they finally put it in gear down the stretch. They knocked off the Rockets at the Garden tonight. 106.99 behind a team-high 20 points off the bench from Alec Burks. Julius Randle chipped in with a double-double, 16 points, 10 boards. Christian Wood had a team-high 18 for Houston, which dips to 1-15 and 15 on the year. Now to hockey, playing in their first game at the new UBS Arena. The Islanders are facing off against the Flames in Elmont, and after one, the Flames lead the Isles 2-1. Earlier today, the Devils overcame a 3-1 deficit. They scored four in the third and beat the Lightning in Tampa 5-3. Rangers center Mika Zibanejad had a false positive COVID test, so he's cleared COVID protocol and will be available when the Rangers face off against the Sabres tomorrow. 
Giant safety Logan Ryan tested positive for COVID, so he's out for Monday night's game against the Bucks. Also, still no Sterling Shepard, but it looks like Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas are trending in the right direction. As expected, Antonio Brown officially ruled out for Tampa. Rob Gronkowski did not practice today, but he is listed as questionable. Local college football, Penn State shut down Rutgers 28-zip. Army beat UMass 33-17. Local college basketball, number 23, UConn beat Binghamton 87-63. Tonight, St. John's is hosting Fairleigh Dickinson. With Sports Flashes at the top of the hour, I'm Erica Herskowitz. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Danielle McCartan uh, before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I just gave you my Jets prediction. You guys want to get aboard. It's 877-337-6666. The Knicks beat the Rockets 106-99. Misha Tate's, I I got it on my phone here. I'm streaming live. Misha Tate's about to take the octagon. And uh, we're going to get to your calls in a second at 877-337-6666. If you can't get through on Twitter, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Um, I picked 8 p.m., the top of the 8 p.m. hour, to say this particular thing. And and I know you are always interested in what shirt I'm wearing. It always comes up. So tonight, it's one of my coaching sweatshirts from Rampo High School in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey. And the reason why I'm wearing this is because a longtime colleague of mine of, of 10 years, almost 11, really, technically 11, uh, a phys ed teacher and our football coach, Drew Gibbs uh, passed away suddenly and unexpectedly Tuesday morning. Um, Brian, his son, who I also work with for years, is also on the coaching staff for football and wrestling, too, at our school. And, uh, you know, Coach Drew Gibbs, a healthy man from what everybody knows, collapsed on the field at practice on Monday with the team in the middle of practice. And um, he was rushed to Valley Hospital in Ridgewood where they found a tear in his aorta, and um, he just didn't make it. And uh, maybe you know him, too, because his talent absolutely transcended beyond just Ramapo Athletics, beyond just North Jersey football. As evidenced in Governor Murphy's public acknowledgement, the state of New Jersey lost one of, if not the greatest football minds in the state. And it's not just that. Like, Coach Gibbs had a Bill Belichickian way about him. And when he spoke in any room, people shut up and listened. This guy was a coach's coach. And I once stopped him on his way to the lower gym. He always walked with a purpose, you know, like a New Yorker, you know. But I stopped him. I kind of got in his way and I stopped him and I said, "Um, hey, can you explain to me, you know, whatever pass rush I had seen on on TV, whatever. I said, can you explain to me this? So he he took his bag off his shoulder, leaned it up against the lockers and not just explained it to me, but he made me line up right there in the hallway as an offensive lineman. And uh, across from him, he was the defensive lineman, and he kind of just rushed the passer in front of me and showed me how it worked. And, you know, he was always a great resource, an even better coach and family man. And, um, you know, his accomplishments on the field speak for themselves. Five group three state sectional championships and, you know, just so many student-athletes that left Drew Gibbs' program as better men than when they entered it. And 
you saw on Twitter maybe two-time Super Bowl winning Chris Hogan. He played for him. He had awesome things to say about him. Two-time winning Super Bowl Chris Snee, whose son plays on the Ramapo team right now, had awesome things to say about him. And um, Robert Sala, head coach of the Jets, wearing a Ramapo football T-shirt. Listen to how he opened up his press conference yesterday. I'm going to address this one first with uh, Coach Drew Gibbs um, uh, passing away uh, recently, obviously, with his team. Uh, just our condolences to his family, the players, the, uh, the school. He's been a, a, a staple in uh, Jersey football for a very long time. And uh, it's just a sad moment in coaching. It puts a lot of things in perspective. So. Yeah, Drew Gibbs was uh, 59 years old. And, and the reason why I picked this time to say all this is because his wake is just wrapping up there at Cornerstone Church in Wyckoff. And obviously I couldn't be there, but I hope this little tribute counts. And uh, by the way, the they had a state championship game to play last night. It was supposed to be played last night. But our bitter rivals, Northern Highlands, they agreed to a postponement. So a great show of sportsmanship by them. And uh, as of right now, the North 1 Group 5 final will be Rampo at Northern Highlands Friday November 26th at 6.15 p.m. And uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go. So maybe I'll see you guys there. If you're there, tweet me. Let me know. And uh, I'll probably be there uh, in support of, of my longtime colleague, Drew Gibbs. All right. We'll go to your calls. 877-337-6666. Uh, James in Long Island. Uh, good evening. How are you? First I'm of all, good. I enjoy your show. Thank and you. to the Rampo community. My condolences uh, to you and to the Arapahoe community. Uh, the Jets. I've been a Jets fan since 1966. I was 14 years old. And as I watch the Jets, they're hard to watch. But as I listen to all the talk about Mike White, I, I say to myself, I've seen this before. And I've seen this in 1978 when Richard Todd was the quarterback, got hurt. A guy by the name of Matt Robinson came in. And the whole community, New York, was excited about it until... Matt Robinson imploded. Here's, here's my point. Mike White was a taxi squad quarterback. He's a backup. And I hear everybody getting excited about Mike White. Should he start? Probably or maybe not. But the point is, he's not the answer. Right. Okay. We know that Zach Wilson's the answer. He's right. not 100% yet. But to all the people who are building up Mike White as this solution, I've seen this. I've lived this. <laughs> yeah. And here's the point. If Mike White was as good as quarterback as we think he is, he'd be a starter somewhere else. Right. So to all the Jets fans, I'm with you. I, I get your pain. I've felt this for over 50 years. But Mike White, as good as he was in the one game he played, is not the answer, okay? Yep. They're playing Flacco because, as Herm Edwards said, you play the game to win. Well, then my question, and I, James, I agree with everything you're saying, but my question would be then, why did Flacco not start against the Bills? That's a good question. And I, I think <laughs> it's because they wanted to see what Mike White had, and we've seen it, again, one game only. We've seen one game where he obviously set records, but four interceptions in one game. Against the best defense in the NFL. I mean, come on. Understood. Understood. Like, but, how, talk but, about but, hanging a guy out there to dry. But I'll say this. They are at the point now where they've – suffered all these bad losses, they're hungry for a win, if for no other reason, to get everybody off their back. So mm -hmm. that's why I think they're playing with Flacco, hoping that he'll be the answer for one game so they can at least rest and not be on the, on the bad side of the news. We'll see what happens. But I'm a Jets fan. I will say this last thing I'll say. Even a blind squirrel gets a nut someday. 
And as a Jets fan, since I was 14 years old, my hope in my lifetime after watching them win when I was 16 years old is that sometime I'll see it again in my lifetime. Well, we'll have to wait and see with that, James. Um, it's a weird last you know, last week or whatever. I, last time I was on, I, I was saying the Jets should start Zach Wilson over Mike White. That if no, it's if Sanders butts. If he's a hundred percent, he's starting over Mike White. That's period. Now we're learning that Zach Wilson is not a hundred percent. So my stance is then why go to Joe Flacco? I know you want to win the game, but. Mike White can do that for you, too, technically, based on what he did in that first game against the Bengals, what he did in that first quarter-ish against the Colts. I was there. It was awesome. Joe Flacco, did, I mean, what is proving? putting him in proving? What is it proving? Maybe Mike White goes out there and has a good game against this 3-7 and seven Dolphins team. Maybe you got something. Maybe that's some trade bait moving forward. I just... I just disagree with the Jets starting Flacco. And then my next question, my follow-up question would be, then Flacco stinks up the place. What do you do? You keep him in? You put Mike White in? Maybe then you should have started Mike White. I mean, I just this 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 is just making no sense to me. And maybe I I think I speak for a lot of Jets fans when they when I say it doesn't make sense. Chris and Yonkers, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Uh, long time. Listener, first time caller, and I, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Why, why would you start Joe Flacco? You know, you got to see what you got in these quarterbacks, whether it's Mike White, Zach Wilson. I understand. Zach Wilson, not 100%. Don't start him. Right. But you got to see what Mike White has. Right. You know, the kid had one good game, got hurt in the other game, and then, then completely sunk up the joint you know, against. Uh, but against no. the best defense, literally, statistically, in the league. I mean, what were you expecting, you know? I think they should play Mike White. If You know, see what you got with him. Maybe he maybe he lights it up again. And if you don't end up keeping him, you got some trade value for exactly. him. You know, they trade him somewhere else. They get a couple picks. You know, you don't know. Yep. No, that's right, Chris. And that is the right mentality. I'm just confused as to how that's lost on this Jets team. I I, I don't understand. I don't get it. You want to start Joe Flacco to win a game. Okay. What does that do for you in the long term? You know, I think they're just thinking too short term, this team. Too short term. Mike White, maybe he's a serviceable quarterback. Maybe there's a team looking for a serviceable quarterback come draft time. Who knows? But you don't know what you have until you play him and you find out. Because once Zach Wilson's ready, he's coming back. And you're left with a big fat question mark for Mike White. Let's go, of course, in the order that you guys called. As always, that's how we do it here at Floral Park. We go, Paul, you're up on the fan. Hello, Danielle. How are you, Paul? How are you? Good, good. Good to be back on the phone with you. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we give a Joe Flacco... To halftime, and if he's screwing up, then then we pull him. That's we crazy him the to bench. me. Then then just start Mike yeah. White, and if he's doing bad at yeah. halftime, then you put Joe Flacco in to clean up right. the mess. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. And then the uh, the Knicks with a 40, 49 three point shot the other night. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my god! Too much. Julius Randle. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, Kemba Walker looks like a garbage can out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the Islanders are losing 2-1, uh, to the one, but uh, we'll get it together with the Islanders, yeah. 
Yeah, my my deepest sympathy uh, to you on uh, on your uh, Ramapo, Ramapo coach. Yeah, thank Sorry you. Sorry that. Appreciate that, yeah, Paul. Yeah, Sure, sure, of course, by all means. You're doing a great job, uh, Danielle, as always. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. let's go Islanders. Uh, and uh, Paul, Paul's told me that he lives three miles from the new UBS arena. So, hey, if you're at the Islander game, I don't know why you'd want to leave yet. But if you're on your way out, you know, you let me know. Give me a call, 877-337-6666, and tell me what you thought about the new arena, the brand spanking new arena. Let's go Chris in Staten Island. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, everything and uh, my uh, sympathies towards uh, Coach Gibbs. Thank you. Um, you know, student-athlete, you know, coach. They're very good ones are very hard to come by and find. Yeah, thank you. But um, bring, you know, bring to the Jets and all that. Um no, I'm not a Jet fan, but, you know, big football fan, obviously, like everybody else. And my thing is this. Jets aren't going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to win. They're not, going they're they're not even making the playoffs. Come on now. They're, they're, exactly. Right. Okay? But, but, Chris, so, this is something everybody knew before the season even started. Correct. Right. You know what? If they were to work, their defense is, is, you know, if they just want to work on their defense and you start getting that in order or the coach staff, whatever, fine. So be it. But he, my thing is this. Okay. Yeah, I am constantly hearing, oh, you know, they don't want to stop Mike White because, you know, uh, they have Zach Wilson here and they're, they're afraid that people are going to get on the Mike White bandwagon and Zach Wilson is is not. You know what? It's whatever it is. If Mike White comes in and he does the job, yep. great. Okay, you know what? You then you, Zach Wilson, you know what? He's, he's going to be – and if they want to get rid of him – He's gonna be he's gonna be trade bait somewhere else. Right. You know, it's it's like it's like going back to Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. I mean, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm not comparing you know Mike White to Tom Brady in any means. That's nowhere near you know. Yeah. Any means. I got you. I, I, the whole story. The whole storyline. The, the starting quarterback gets injured right, and he exactly. comes and takes I mean, over. But I mean, you can you put you put Bledsoe at that time. You put Bledsoe next to Brady. And you look at both of them, you're like, oh, no, definitely Bledsoe. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's and and that's and that's it. And Brady, but Brady came in, and you know, look what he's done. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. And thanks to Mo um, Lewis. Pardon me. I said thanks to Mo Lewis. Yeah, cor- correct, Mundo. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, I'm just uh, I, I don't know. I'm it's it, it's getting it's getting a little stale. This whole story, uh, you know what? I, I know. It's you know, yeah, the whole Jets. Listen, they 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 want to get something going. They want to see what this kid can do and get you know maybe some draft picks you know from next year. Do it. I mean, Zach, you know, Zach Wilson. If he he he's gonna probably be he's gonna be the future of, of that of the franchise. Right. Uh, Flacco. He's I, he, no. He. I'm sorry. The guy should have retired three years ago. Um. It, but you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, any anything can happen on uh, any given Sunday, obviously. Yeah. But you know, uh, you know, thank you for the call, and uh, I'll listen in on. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for making it. And uh, I think Pat, should we throw it to break or do one more? What do you think? He says one more. One more it is. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Bronx. Up to the Bronx. And Cole, you're up next on the fan. Um. Hi. Hi, Cole. Um. I'm. I. I was. I was planning on going to the Northern Highland Rambo game next week. Oh, well, then and I'll see I you there. Think, I think um, Luke Gibbs was one of the greatest high school football players ever to play 
I like to coach high school football players mm-hmm. because he knows he's like the Bill Belichick of uh, high school football. Absolutely and, is yes, and I and I will miss him dearly. Um, and I'm going to game. I think it would be very emotional. Yep. But I hope, I hope my team. I what I went to Northern Highlands. I hope they don't, they don't give you. They are not rude about you. No, actually, I wear, I wear. I'm saying to the Highlander fans that they don't disrespect. No, they won't. Cole, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Uh, calling about uh, coach Gibbs there. The one thing I will say is that Northern Highlands has been amazing to the Rampo community. Um, as much as North Jersey has and, and the whole state of New Jersey has. And actually one of the coaches from the Northern Highlands team, uh, I've been mess- GMing with him on Twitter and, um, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's going to be on the up and up and, it, and it's great. It's great. Um, so thank you to Northern Highlands for being, uh, and showing, you know, the student athletes, some real sportsmanship. I mean, this is a big switch. So, thank you to them. All right, uh, Misha Tate's in the in the octagon. Ooh, I'm so excited. The, the round one is about to start. Oh my god, I'm so excited. All right, let's let's throw it to commercial so I can watch the beginning of this fight. No, actually, Pat's telling me to break. So, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the phone number to get aboard. As you know, everything is on the table. Way back, I've got the Misha Tate fight on streaming on my phone. So if I cheer, I'm such a fan right now. I really don't know. That's the one thing that I, I should have asked while I was doing my my uh, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu over there in Mayapak at Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu. I, I should have asked how it scored. Oh, it just went to the ground. I don't know what that means. See, that's the thing. Like, I don't know how this is scored. Are you watching it, Pat, on the other side over there? No, I'm not. It, like, I, I want to root for her, and I want to think that she's winning, but then I don't know how the judges are going to score it. It's so, like, um, what's that word? Where it's not set in stone. It's so subjective yeah. to me, how yeah, they score. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, the, and I know you just turned it on, but I feel like most of the time the eye test can tell you who wins the fight. Um what, how does it look? Has she been landing some punches? Yeah, is it, it a lot of ground? It, is there a lot of ground game going on? It just went to the ground. It looks like Misha Tate did a good job on the ground with her. And she got she's got control. It looked like it. Okay, well, good start then. Yeah. Oh man, this is like so. Pete Hoffman told me that like once you start watching this and like you actually have like a rooting interest in this, it's like nerve wracking. Yeah, because any punch could could be it. I know. One punch lands. Yeah. Night night. I know. And I was hoping last time when she fought, I was there in Vegas. And she won. And she won. But she, was, by knockout, right? Uh, I don't or did, even know. Or did so it go excited. the distance? I don't even know. You don't remember? You blacked out. <laughs> I was like, Metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to go to the after party, obviously. She had us at the after party. And you blacked out, literally. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so at the after party, I, I was just hoping that win or lose, she didn't get the crap kicked out of her because then the party w- would have not happened, you know? Yeah, right, because you can't, obviously you can't be have loud music, you can't be drinking because in case you have any slight concussion at yeah, all. Yeah, right. Exactly. So she was good, and it was fun. It ended up working out. So, all right, round two is about to start, and we're going to go to the calls. 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Let's go to Rob in Old Bridge. You're up next on The Fan, Rob. Hey, Danielle, thanks for taking my call. Hey, Rob, thanks for making it. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Just about Mike White. So they have him as a, a restricted free agent. So could you just explain 
how that would work as far as trades go, and I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for that call. I'm just looking up uh, just to make sure that is the correct. I'm sure you are. I just want to make sure. So Mike White is playing on a, where is it? It's loading. Hold on. Give me one second. It's loading here. Contract details. Of course, of course, when you need the site, it's not working. Mike White signed a one-year $850,000 contract with the Jets. Okay, okay. So, yes, at the end of this season, he is a restricted free agent. And I am actually not sure exactly what that means. I guess that means he's restricted on the teams that he can go to, or I guess. I guess that's what that means. Pat, restricted on the teams that he can go to, or the or – the, uh, I don't really know. I'll be honest. I'm not going to make something up here. They, well, the Jets have the they, – they can tender him at a $2.4 million a year if they want to retain the right of his first refusal on his restricted free agent contract. That's uh, according to over the cap's projections. So if they decline to match an offer sheet from another team, then he can go, he can go and uh-huh. the Jets get a fifth-round compensatory pick. I like it. Sounds like a win-win to me. Fifth rounder for the legend, Mike White. Oh, yeah, the legend. The legend. That's like Clint, Clint Fraser, the legend. Sell high on him. And get and look what happened. They got nothing for him. So that's that. Good job, Pat. Thanks for that. Hey, you're welcome. Let's go to Rob in Babylon next on the fan. Hey, Dan, you know, good to speak with you, man. I listen, I, you know, I was uh, speaking with, uh, you know, the, uh, the guy that answers the phone. I was talking about how sometimes, um, you know, I, I no disrespect to him. But I, sometimes what happens is, you know, with, in sports, when you get these rookie quarterbacks mm-hmm. and you don't have the right, you know, um, people around him, it, it could it could really tarnish his career. And I think that's what happened with Sam Donald is the fact that the Jets didn't have exactly. the protection that he needed. And then, and Danielle, I'm going to make one, another um, point. I wanted to uh, pay homage to Joe Gibbs because um, not only did Joe Gibbs, um, you know, coach he wasn't just a, a professional coach he also you know be, he's involved in nascar joe gibbs racing and you got guys by dale i mean dale jerry bobby labonte oh those are throwback names yeah yeah carl edwards tony stewart daniel each one of those names you know mark uh martin truex jr i remember when he first came in but like even these guys kyle bush these guys, when they came into NASCAR, you know, um, you know, Joe Gibbs, they, you know, they, they, they drove Joe Gibbs racing. They, they drove cars for Joe Gibbs. And so, and like, you know, to me, you know, I got to pay homage first and foremost to, to NASCAR, you know, the drivers who, you know, who, who also is mourning the loss of Joe Gibbs because, you know, um, these guys that I'm naming, you know, were all very competitive, man. And, and I know. And NASCAR is also a sport. You know, I'm into basketball, baseball, football, all the other things. But at the end of the day, man, I, you know, I love the competitiveness of NASCAR and how the pit road and the, crew, <laughs> yeah. the, the pit crew and the changing tires, the whole four and the chassis adjustments. I, you know, those things to me, you know, they're, they're, they're very, you know, essential to what we call um, competitiveness. And, and, and Joe Gibbs, was just a competitive individual man who thrived and who picked the right parts in there because, you know, for the most part, when anytime Joe Gibbs' name was mentioned in any type of venue, you knew that, you know, you was going to get the best out of not only the professional players, but out of Joe Gibbs for what he's going to give and his, you know, ideas of how to win. 
And so I just wanted to say that, Danielle, and thank you. You've always, you know, you're coaching, so you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so and I just want to listen in. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for making it. Um, the one thing, I, I, as you were talking, I thought of when I went to, um, I know it's not NASCAR, but the um, the Brickyard 500, Indianapolis Speedway, um, how fast they changed tires. I think they said it was like 10 seconds they could change all four tires. Like, that's amazing. It takes me 10 days to change a tire. Actually, I've never changed a tire in my life. But I think if I were to change a tire, it would take 10 days. <laughs> um, just a quick check-in on this fight. Round two is not I – don't, I don't know what I'm really looking at, but round two is not looking good for Misha Tate. The problem is this Vieira, this Ketlin Vieira, the arms are too long on her. So Misha Tate's trying to do a stand-up fight here, and she keeps getting rocked in the face. I don't like that. She's got to take it to the ground. I mean, I don't know much about this sport. I'm not going to tell her how to do it. But, man, bring it to the ground, will you? Oh, oh, they're showing some replays here. That looks pretty good. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Carol in New Jersey. You're up next on The Fan. Hi there, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Carol? Oh, I'm great. Uh, When I was a teenager, I was into auto racing, and my father actually took me to the Pocono 500. That's cool. (laughs) Even though he complained about the traffic the entire way up there. (laughs) Sounds like my dad. Yeah, believe me, there was a lot of traffic. <laughs> but I, I'm primarily a Nets fan, mm-hmm. and I think we have two of the best players in the NBA. No, you don't think. So you I, do. You definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that uh, uh, Kevin is okay, mm-hmm. because they said he injured his shoulder or mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, yeah he's going to miss a little time. Okay. But I have to tell you something. I don't think Kyrie Irving is coming back anytime soon. No, I don't so think so either. God, no. Thank God we have Patty Mills. He's fantastic. He has I been the guy who is. step up. You know, you look around and you're like, all right, you've got Kevin Durant. You've got James Harden. Yeah. You've got Joe Harrison. Right. You know what you have in those guys. But yeah. you're looking for that guy. And, and this is where they miss Spencer Dinwiddie horribly. But you've got Patty Mills. He's doing all right. He's stepping yeah. up, and I'd like to see the progression of him throughout the rest of the season. You're right. Yep. And he's got a lot of similarities to Kyrie, too, because he was born in Australia, and he's six foot one, which is not a big size for for the NBA. But I, I think he's fantastic, really. G'day, this is Patty Mills, and you're listening to Brooklyn <laughs> Nets Basketball with Chris and the Kappa on the fan. I love that accent. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Pat had a little oh, drop for you great. there. But you know what that's I like great. most about him? He shoots free throws at 91%. He's like automatic from the free throw yeah. line. Love yeah. that. Great. And he hits the threes, too. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think when you look at this Nets team, and thanks for the call there, Carol. I, I think when you look at this Nets team, you're looking around and you're like, okay, Kyrie Irving's really dug in. You might not see him play for the Nets this season, and maybe ever again. I don't know. I've openly questioned his, his want and his desire to play basketball, for sure. And, I, and I'm not backing off of that. But then, from a basketball standpoint, you have to look at, you know, what, what's, what's next? Who's stepping up next? And Patty Mills has been filling that role pretty good. And I just looked up and looked down, and I thought this fight was over. But it's not. Tate accidentally poked Ketlin in the eyeball. What happens then? Pat, do you know what happens if she can't continue because she got poked in the eyeball? It looked pretty good. I mean, what happens now? Oof, like if she couldn't fight 
at, at all anymore. Is it a draw? I don't know. Off the top of my head, I would want to say that she would lose. Because, yeah, right? And it would be a medical... Disc- a medical it, loss, right? Yeah, a medical stoppage, I guess, or doctor stoppage. That oh. I'm not sure of. I'll, I'll look that up. Oh, actually, she just said she's fine. Yeah, but that'd that, that be interesting to know. Yeah, because then I'd be out there trying to poke their eyes out all, <laughs> the whole time. I'd be like on the ground poking the eyeballs out. Ew, I can't stand eyeballs. I would never do that. Let's go to Sean in Booton, New Jersey. You're up next on The Fan. Hi there. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, um, this was helping provide some color in the UFC. It goes by some things called like significant strikes. So the judges really try and look at, you know, punches or kicks that do significant damage or, you know, put the opponent in sort of a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. And then they supplement that with some other things like how aggressive are you being in the round? Are you being proactive? Are you right. trying to you know, control the ground or go into a grappling position. So Misha Tate has always been known for, you know, having a well-rounded sort of game. So I think she's going to be fine here tonight. Um, But the other quick point I wanted to make about um, Mike White and the Jets is Mm -hmm. I don't understand sometimes how we get so hung up on being committed to a guy just because they are an early draft pick, say, you know, second or Mm -hmm. third or fourth overall. You know, even though you spent that pick, sometimes it's about – the missed opportunity or the opportunity cost of what you might have in somebody else. And so when you have a guy like Zach Wilson, who's not fully healthy to begin with, you know, roll the dice on Mike White and see what you have to lose. You deal with the fan base later about not being competitive or about losing games. Your goal is to find a franchise guy and a quarterback that can go in there and compete week in, week out, whether that's Mike White or that's Zach Wilson when he comes back and he's healthy Or, you know, on the off chance that you miss on both guys, you just have to find whoever the guy is that makes the offense and makes this franchise win again, regardless of their status or their tier or what position they were taking as a draft player. Sure. Sure. And and Sean, that's good. That's a good assessment there. And I just think that the Jets didn't know what they had in Mike White, because if they did know what they had in Mike White, then they wouldn't have gone out and traded for Joe Flacco. I mean, that's that's. Kind of the idea there. And if it's Mike White moving forward, that's fine. But you have to play him. You, you can't let him sit on the bench. You have to see what you have in him. Maybe it's he's not the future of the Jets, but he could be the future of another team somewhere else. And that's what the Jets you know, need to figure out. And they're not going to be able to figure that out if his butt is parked on the bench. The Islanders are losing to the Calgary Frames. Maybe you're on your way out of the, of the UBS arena. Maybe you're listening. I don't know. You want to give me a call about the arena? 877-337-6666. And this is going to be your last chance to get aboard on my show tonight before Brian McKeon comes your way here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Just checking in with you guys. My my friend, Misha Tate, they're in the fourth of five rounds. I don't know what to think. I don't know. I'm just nervous watching this whole thing. I have no idea. We're in the middle of talking about the, the great quarterback controversy with the New York Jets. And don't worry, Giants fans. There'll be plenty of Giants talk tomorrow. I've got my prediction and analysis coming your way at 4 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Tomorrow here on The Fan. And we go back to your calls. This is your last chance to get aboard at 877-337-6666 before Brian McKeon comes your way. He's actually sitting right next to me right now. (laughs) 
Let's go to uh, Norwalk and John. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you, John? Great job. It'd be nice if you got a steady gig. Oh, thank but you. I won't get. I won't talk. I don't want to. Talk, I won't talk about the lack of, uh, of females on the station. That's for another day. John, can you do me uh, one more? Can, am I on speakerphone by any chance, or on the car phone? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Can't hear you. Great. Is that better? That's better. Yes. Okay, so in 1979, the Giants drafted a guy out of Moorhead State. Huh. Good-looking blonde guy named Phil Sims, right? Yeah, and he's never been to New and York he, City before. We talked about that, him and I. Yeah, and he struggled. Matter of fact, I remember, bizarre, he was just coming back from an injury, and then he breaks his hand on his own offensive lineman's helmet, and he was just kind of parcels were like, oh, my God, Sims, you know. But even Ray Perkins before Parcells benched him, for Scott Bruner, and if I'm not mistaken, in 1981, they made the playoffs, and I think Scott Bruner started. The whole point of this is, it is, Phil Sims arguably is borderline Hall of Fame, a Super Bowl champ. It took him a while. He they, he got to the playoffs with them, um, with him as the starter right. in 84. Right. His fifth or uh, sixth year. And the rest is history, you yeah. know. And they yeah. became a great team from there on in. Right. So it does take time, and then he could just more recently Eli. People yeah. were not sure about Eli until 2007, I, and now he's in the Ring of Honor. I know, I know. Exactly. I just you think know. you know what I think. I, I just think that people, no matter what the sport, I think people are just we, we are victim to the immediacy bias, the immediacy culture that you want to see it right now, and that's where Phil Simms era to. Zach Wilson era have changed a little bit. You know, it's it's the advent of the internet. It's the advent of Twitter and sound bites and all that. And it's just, you know, good. I mean, Patrick Mahomes even sat for a year. I mean, come on, let's pump the brakes a little bit, everybody. I'm with you. Now, I, I know you're a member of the media, and you're not going to throw yourself under the bus, but don't you think the now that, now that everything, information is just on steroids now with the internet, that that has a lot to do with it, that it's definitely... Yes. It, it, it gets into the players' heads. It gets into the coaches' heads. And yes. there have been owners and, and coaches that said, I admit it, years ago, I made a decision based on fan popularity and the media. And that's just, that's just wrong because, let's face it, fans don't know anything. And the media, never, unless they played the game, they're really just fans, too. They're the conduit to the fans. But they've got a bunch of people who are not professionals, like Boomer likes to say, um, non-athletic, regular people, he likes to call them. He makes fun of us. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We didn't didn't play the game. Right. And, I mean, he has a point, though. Unless you play the game, you really – how do you know who's supposed to start? Yeah. He always says – how do you know what's going inside, well, that, that, going on inside that locker room? Right, you know? and, and John, we're not there, and that's it's part of the fun. You know, it's just you take the information that you do have and that you do know, and maybe you're lucky enough to get there and ask the coach and, and their opinions about about certain things. But you know that you know that's that's the fun of it, right? That that's the whole. Fun. I'm not the GM. I would love to be the GM of a team or front office of a team or you know whatever, but I'm not. And it's just you're making the best educated guess with the information that you have and the information that you studied and me anyway and the, and the trends that I've studied and et cetera, et cetera. And you just kind of put, I usually just put forth my best recommendation based on all of those factors. And I think coming into this game that, that, uh, that Mike White should be the starting quarterback. That's it. Let's go to Flushing and Kevin, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Not great there, Kevin. I'll be honest. How about now? That's a little bit better, yeah. 
So at what point do the Jets start building uh, an identity? Maybe on the defense, they become a hard team to play on the defensive side and give up on drafting a QB with the first overall pick every three years. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, great question. And, and I think maybe that, that the pendulum will swing to the defense starting starting next season because they, they have the quarterback, right? And they've got two really premium first-round picks. So maybe you're going to see them use it, use it on a defensive end or a shutdown cornerback. Right, and I, I just think this is a really tough market for a young QB because you're billed either as the next franchise quarterback right. or you're a bust. Exactly. So I just think it's, it's tough, and they need to start focusing on the defense, make it a tough team to play against, and then, you know, whatever happens with the offense, maybe through free agency or whatever, and just start putting some wins together. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm mean, with you. And, then, and I think that's kind of like the reset button that the Jets kind of had. And they were like, okay, reset. Let's get our quarterback. We're going to go up and get the quarterback right now, which they did. And now they can kind of fill out the rest of it. And I would love to see them go in the draft next year, defense, defense, with those first first picks there. Or maybe, I, I got to look. I mean, it's way too soon to, to t- talk about this, but I, I would probably either go either defensive line, offensive line, or offensive line, defensive line, and see, or cornerback. Those are still all areas of need for the Jets. And Ketlin Vieira has opened up Misha Tate's nose. Oh, boy. A minute and 43 seconds remaining in the fight. Oh, God. Oh, man. All right. Let's go to Sal in Valley Stream. You're up next on The Fan. Oh, hey, Daniel. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for making it. Um, I want to – the topic says I want to talk about the Mets, but I want to talk a little bit about the Jets tonight. Um, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. Okay, today I was, you know, I was listening into Brian Costello today with Richard Neer. You know, as you know, Richard has Brian on every Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, so Brian was talking about, you know, Joe Flacco, you know, going at it against the Dolphins tomorrow. I think, you know, the Jets are probably going to win this game tomorrow. And, you know, I know, um, I think the Jets are probably going to win. And, Daniel, what do you think? I, after you tell me your explanation about Joe Flacco, I have one more thing for you, okay? Yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco, he's the veteran quarterback. He's the veteran in the room. Um, but I think the Jets are not in a position to be playing that veteran in the room. I think they are in a position to figure out what they've got in their rookie quarterback number two in their locker room. Okay. One more thing, Daniel, before I hang up. Um, so I know on Thursday Richard Neer is not going to be on. So I called him last year tell them about the Jets, that their defense, you know, needs to improve. What do you think about that, Danielle? And, you know, also Richard's not going to be on Thanksgiving. Thank you for the call. What do you think we should expect from Joe Flacco tomorrow against the Dolphins? What do you think? Sal, I'm going to be on Thanksgiving. I'll be on, 10 to 2, right before the football starts. What do I think about the Jets' defense? (laughs) I think there's college defenses better than this Jets' defense, to be honest with you. They're terrible. They are at the bottom or close to the bottom, of every major defensive category. I'm not sure if it's because they have talent, uh, people that are, are not talented on that team. That's part of it. They've got a, a defensive coordinator that is not willing to change the scheme to fit the personnel that he has. I mean, there's so many things. I think this Jets, um, this Jets defense is horrible. I think there's, like I said, college defenses that are better than this New York Jets defense. And the final caller of the night is James in Monroe. I got about 60 seconds here, James. Okay, well, I'll make it real quick. I just want to talk, tell you that, you know what, the Jets defense next year will be fine if they just got to get some linebackers because their linebackers stink. 
terrible. But, you know, they got a guy that's on injury right now that, you know, will be back next year on the front line. So that's going to improve their pass rush really well. Yep. They just need to get some good linebackers and a corner. That's what they need to get. <sighs> a cornerback for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. But but the pass rush isn't great. The interior pass rush is, is okay. It's good. The exterior, you, remember, you don't have anybody coming remember, off the edge. The guy who got hurt before the season lost started? Him. Lost him. You know? Nah, I guess so. I think the biggest thing oh. is in there, th- James, thanks for the call, uh, cornerback. I mean, the Jets are so very thin at cornerback. They haven't had a lockdown corner um, since Darrell Revis, right? So, you know, the Jets' defense is in a lot of trouble. And, and you know, I know you can't count on injury. And Lawson was one of those guys that did have that injury. Uh, before the season even started. So, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to tell. But it's hard to watch what, what the Jets are putting out there. It, it, it's hard to watch. And I'm watching for um, a uh, a winner declared uh, in this Misha Tate fight. Oh, they're standing in the middle of the ring. Octagon, whatever. Ah, oh, it's Ketlin Vieira. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks to all the callers. I could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with all of you guys. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select to start a show 5 p.m. At 7.20, I had Andy Vasquez on from NorthJersey.com, USA Today Sports. Trying to figure out what's going on with this Jets and this mess of a team. A great job to Connor Green behind the glass, to Pat Boyle behind the glass today as well. Erica Herskowitz on the updates. And I'll be back with you guys tomorrow, 4 p.m., right here after the Jets game. So if you're going... Why don't you tune me in while you sit in traffic leaving MetLife Stadium. And in the meantime, hit my socials at Coach MCCARTAN, Facebook.com slash Coach McGarden. We'll keep the conversation going. I'll hand it off to Brian McKeon, who's sitting right next to me. He's coming your way next, right here on WFAN Radio. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFAN.